Hello, everybody. Welcome to a nighty, another exciting podcast, <laughs> Right in the Nerds. I am Ray BG, and I have here my co-host. Cody. And we're going to bring you guys another, hopefully exciting, um, background on a movie and slash book. Um, it was a book originally. Um, something that's sort of prophetic if you if you actually take the time to look at what it talks about. But it's um, World War Z. Say the uh, that Brad Pitt zombie movie that you guys might have seen and forgotten about really quickly a few years back, but was based off of an incredible book. And that book, that book was written by author Max Brooks, and I got to give him yeah. credit because he also wrote before then um, the Zombie Survival Guide. There you go, Zombie Survival Guide. And not only that, he's the son of Mel Brooks. So yeah. History of the World, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Like, that guy gave us one of two of the greatest pieces of zombie literature ever written. There you go. And also, um, we're speaking of, he wrote the um, Zombies Survival Guide. Um, that is very important because that if you guys remember when that came out, or for some of you newer listeners who may be younger than that time period, um, that was actually one of the things that the CDC actually posted on their website as a pretty fictional survival guide. Yeah. Or non-fictional. Or, yeah, like, it, it would be surprisingly <laughs> well, like, you would do well to follow these guidelines if a zombie outbreak were to happen. And when the CDC says that, that's, like, the highest mark of approval you can get for a book. <laughs> like, you know, for, at least for one, for a fake disease, we hope. And before we continue, I, I, I forgot to mention our other co-host here, um, Eli. Um, what's Eli's? Gager. Gager. Yeah. Gager, um... Hey, man, I know you said you're going to want to be listening to this, so hopefully we do this well and we want to give him some positive energy out there. You know, real life sometimes takes us from being able to do certain things. So, hey, get positive energy out to you, Eli, and hopefully you like this podcast. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, this – one of the reasons we kind of dealt on this topic is because it is – well, okay, the book is surprisingly – chillingly prophetic for the time we live in right now but i can agree to that we'll, we'll start off with the movie because that was just kind of a good old piece of old like it wasn't terrible it wasn't great it just was it was and and i was speaking with my um co-host here earlier when we were talking about the difference between the book and the movie basically the book tells you that it's an oral history or oral story of a survivor um, it says an oral history of the zombie war, which means literally the person telling you is the person who's the ma- basically the main character. Of, he sees everything that goes on. But the movie does not have that title, which means it's basically a secondhand account of what happened. And that's basically how the movie is. When you watch the movie, it's a it's a summary of, of the it's a quick summary of the book. Um in the movie, of course, the main character is played by um, Brad Pitt. What was his name? Jerry Lane. Jerry Lane. Yeah. And Brad Pitt um, happened to work um, once upon a time in his life for the um, government, high officials in the government in um, crisis areas. And um, he had since retired from that life because basically he was getting a lot of PTSD and it was keeping him away from his family. And um, he needed something. He needed to do something else because it was causing him issues. Um and in the, in the movie, if you guys watch the movie, we start out, you know, it's a beautiful, normal, maybe summer, maybe. I say summer because the kids, he has his kids with him and nobody's going to school <laughs> that you see. And it's just a quiet day. He chilling. He's relaxing with his family. And then um, they get ready to go into town and chaos ensues. 
Yeah, right. I mean, pretty much. Like, you get thrust right into that. <laughs> like, the, this virus didn't even have a chance to make the news before people were already, you know, being eaten on the street, uh, in the movie at least. Yeah, in the movie. And, that, and that's a big difference between the book and the movie as well. In the book, you actually get to see the lead up to what you basically get in the movie. Again, the movie, like I said, was just like a secondhand telling of the book. Um, in the movie, um, like you said, chaos ensues from right from the beginning. You get, I call this movie an action thriller. It wasn't necessarily a horror to me. It was an action thriller because there was from from beginning to the end, there was no moment where everything was relaxed, other than the, the touchy scenes where he's calling his wife or his wife calls him, which it's another issue I have with this movie, <laughs> which I'll get to eventually. We're going to talk a little bit more before I get to that point. Um, and then the other thing also is, um, like I said, is from point A to point B, it was action. Once once the chaos started, it didn't slow down until until you get to the end. Yeah. And so <laughs> I guess just to cap off, like the biggest that like I, I made this joke to you earlier, but the biggest thing that the book and the movie have in common is that they are both set on Earth and they're zombies. I agree with that. I mean, you're right. That's exactly the only thing they had in common. Yeah. <laughs> and there was only one other thing they kind of had in common, and that was the Israeli part, except it ends as soon as you see it. The similarities stop. As soon as you see what Israel does, that's where it ends. Oh, wow. Okay. Because, what was it? They built the walls around yeah, right, Israel. They, right. The they walls were, and tunnels, yeah. They were allowing people in right. who were Israeli-born, Palestinian-born. Right. Palestinians and the Israelis. Yeah. United, yeah. And then after that, the similarities just stop. Because, oh, that's crazy. Well, like, they have that part, but I knew they weren't going to cover this in the movie because that's a touchy subject anyway with the Israeli civil war that happens in the book. Right. Uh, and not only that, the zombies never get in. Israel right. winds up, despite their civil war, being one of the countries that manages to eke out some sense of normalcy. Which, I, which is ironic that you say that because in the movie they alluded to that, but they didn't portray it as that. Mm -hmm. Because in the movie, when you're watching the movie, um, he's talking with... Um, who's he talking with? He's talking with a guy in... Um, he, they went to South Korea first. So in the movie, they, he's in South Korea. He's talking to a former CIA... I ain't gonna say he was a CIA agent because he got caught and he was still held in a, in a military prison. Maybe he was a CIA informant, or he worked for the CIA in some capacity. Yeah. But the guy told him about um, oh right about the Israeli um, about the Israelis building the um, yeah. wall and everything and getting everything completed like a week before this outbreak happened. And um, so basically, he was alluding to the fact that Israelis knew hey this was going down, but they don't know how they knew. And um, so yeah, they don't mention. That is, and, and and when you actually go there, when you first get when he when they first get there, when the main character first gets there to Israel in the movie, everything looks calm. You got people coming in. He's like, he even says, Brad Pitt's character even says, "You letting people in?" He's in the in the in the guy that he was speaking to, the the tenth man as they called him, yeah. says, um, "Yeah, it's it's better to let people in that are not infected than have the fight more infected later." Yeah. And so yeah, I mean, there's that whole allusion to what is in the book, but they they in the movie they. Because it was an action to me, an action thriller. They had to go to that other level and bring the drama. So. Oh yeah, which is where you get you find out your. I can't call it a MacGuffin because it's not really, but you find out your. You know, here's the solution we were all looking for. That somebody will kind of realize later what happened. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, now from what I recall correctly, when the movie starts off and everything happens, and is it Philadelphia? I believe so. 
Okay. Well, no, 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 no. In the, in the movie, it's in Jersey. It's in the is Jersey it? area. Okay. Because he mentions um, when they're in Korea that New Jersey is basically not good. So one of the soldiers asked me, is, is, is how about Texas? And he's like, pretty much, I'm going to tell you straight. There's no other, there's no place that's really doing that well in the U.S. right now. No. <laughs> no, so, definitely not. So I think, I think it's in Jersey because I, I, I hear there was a point where the guy was talking on the phone on the ship. Um, and he's like Brooklyn. We lost Brooklyn, so I, it, it, I could be wrong. It could be Philadelphia for you, for you uh, movie hawks. There, I apologize, but I think I do believe that it was in in, in Jersey area. So then, um, um, another thing about the movie is um, that I found intri- intri- that I found intriguing is um, oh yeah, it is Philly. Oh, it is Philly. Yeah, it's like. It, I mean, like, it doesn't really matter a whole lot because, like I said, by the end of that movie, you're like, everywhere's screwed. Right. It really doesn't matter. Because um, where do they head next after that? That's what I was wondering. So they, they go to an apartment complex in the movie. And, oh, yeah. Um, uh, the they, helicopter takes them to a ship. They do that whole escape where yeah. Matthew Fox get his gets his 30-second cameo um, <laughs> before just completely being written out of the movie completely. <laughs> And okay, so I, I had to look because I can't remember where they go next. It's actually South Korea, is the second well, place in the movie. Yeah, that's where they fly to. Where they go to a ship in the middle of the, of the middle of the ocean, right? So he can get his mission right. should he choose to accept it. So and so this is where the movie is interesting because that it's sort of so he's been told in the movie that hey, listen, um, I'm glad you're here, but we need you to do a job for us. And he's like, forget about it. I'm not doing this. And then. He gets in, he gets basically voluntold. He's told that if you don't do this, then there's plenty of other people that want to be in your position, and I can guarantee your family will be able to stay on the ship, be, be safe. So basically, he's been told by the government or by a government entity that if you don't do this for us, then your family's screwed, and so are you. So he's basically been forced to go out and try to gather information on how to defeat this this fire. <laughs> right. Which I you know. I, I don't know what good that's going to do, but okay. Um, so they go to South Korea next. And now this is where you're telling, like, apparently there's 15 minutes of this movie. There's an unrated version and a rated version. Yes. And the unrated actually has 15 extra minutes. That's it. But somehow makes the movie make a ton more sense for some of the actions taken. So it's a double in the detail. Um, the unrated version, um, which I would say if you're going to ever buy this movie, because a lot of people didn't like this movie, get the unrated version. Those 15 minutes add a lot. There are a lot of, in the rated version, they cut off, a, they edited out a lot of scenes that make, um, that make understanding of the, how the virus worked in, in this, in this um, movie, in the story, how it worked. It lets, it, it fills in spaces as to how people died or how people ended up getting turned. And um, it, it just, the unrated version just makes the whole movie better, in my opinion. I, I think that 15 minutes was should have been included instead of taken out. Yeah, and it's not like anybody would have walked out of this movie going, I liked it, but it was 15 minutes too long. <laughs> I I never understand that. We sat through Lord of the Rings, guys. Come on. <laughs> right? I was going to say, if we sat through Lord of the Rings and the extended version, maybe it's just the dedicated nerds of us out there, but there we could have handled 15 more minutes of this. Um. So yeah, I guess it was South Korea, and the it thing was army based on South Korea. Yeah, yeah, the thing I like about the South Korea part though is that they acknowledge that no one knows what happened to North Korea. 
there's not a living soul to be found up beyond the 38th parallel. Right. It went dark. Right. So you don't know if they all went underground right. or if they all, if they managed to survive, basically, or they, you know, could have been overrun. Who knows? Chances are, though, I would say not. Right. Like, yeah. And so it's funny. They give a shout out to one of the uh, actors slash one of the characters in the unrated version. Um, it's probably in the in the rated version too, but you get to actually see it um, in there. Brad Pitt's character asks um, about the general. Where's the general at? And the one the soldier that's in charge says he's over there because um, they burnt. So what they did was they explained the best way to kill these things is to shoot them in the head. You shoot them in their bodies, it slows them down. You take out their legs, they can't move, it slows them down. But if you shoot them in the head, they die. But in chance, in cases that we get to, we burn. We like to burn the bodies just to make sure because we don't know if they will reanimate. Yeah. And in the prison cell, um, this is coming up to the shout out part. Um, they literally burned the prison cells because this one, the the their initial patient that infected everybody, um, he apparently bit the doctor. The doctor is the one who was um, being chained down, and the doctor bit the general, mm. and then that's. So basically, it was eight soldiers in there that had gotten infected. They killed, well, they shot them, and then they burnt the bodies. Well, the shout out comes, like I mentioned before, with the general. He mentions he's over the general's body is over there with the rest of the bodies, and you see the hand of the general point up and point down. So I thought that was an awesome shout out because oh, wow. <laughs> even though the, everything was burned except for the hand, the hand is still moving and it reacts. It reacts when they when they mention that. So that huh. was pretty cool. That was a pretty cool shout out. That is pretty cool. <laughs> So, let's see. After, because, I mean, that's basically what happens is their, what was it, Um, their main expert that they bring with to help them out, uh, he has, I just, one of the dumbest deaths I've ever seen (laughs) in a movie where he is running away from the zombies in like an oh shit panic moment, trips and shoots himself in the face, I think. So everybody knows, especially if you've if you've been on a C one thirty, and you're going up the stairwell, that you don't run up a C one thirty stairwell, you're gonna slip or you're gonna fall. I mean, boots help, but if you're, I don't, I don't believe he had boots on. If I, he may have. No, I think have. he was he was dressed up like your kind of hipster scientist, if yeah. I remember correctly. Like, but, uh, yeah. The first thing that he was told to do is make sure he keeps his finger off the trigger. He he acknowledged that in the beginning, and that's where that fifteen minutes came in because you actually get to see that. But the second thing was keep your finger off the trigger. And they should have told him not to run either. Just get up the step as quick as you can or get up the back of the airplane as quick as you can. Well, he goes and he slips and he somehow found his finger back in the trigger. And as he falls, he shoots himself in the head. Yeah. Maybe that was a mercy kill. I don't know. Because <laughs> it would have sucked to have him turn. I guess so. But at the same time, like, it was just like, really? Like, they that's the creative choice they made for this. I mean, I get it to a certain, like, I don't know, like, I I just can't fathom. Because it just seemed like it was slapstick. Like, it was almost meant to be played for a laugh. Yeah, I think it was. But sense. they, but it was too dark a subject matter for a lot of people to laugh at. Right. If they would have added in a Wilhelm scream, it would have been hilarious. Well, but I mean, that's not the point they're trying to go for. It is a joke, right? Because he is supposed to be the, the best thing to a savior for the world, and he yeah. kills himself. I mean, he literally right. accidentally commits suicide, like literally. 
<laughs> I could have dealt with him more if, he, if like, just seeing them up close was enough that gave him, like, PTSD and he ended it just to deal with dark subject matter. Because, I mean, comparing it again to the book, the book covers every dark aspect that you can think of. It does. It does. But... You know, the movie doesn't quite hit those same notes, but it's going for an action vibe. It's trying to capitalize off that... Uh, I wouldn't even say realism of The Walking Dead, but it's trying to capitalize off of The Walking Dead in some fashion. Well, it was so... During this time period when this movie came out, you had, like, Contagion, which was another, um, like, 20... So you, you originally had 28 Days, right? And then you had 28 Days Later. Those or, type of zombie movies. Oh, yeah, what was it, 28 Days Later? Eight weeks later. Yeah, 28 days later, 28 weeks later. Then you had the movie come out called Contagion. Yeah. Which was about a a rabies outbreak, like the super rabies. And then you had Contagion 2, which is an ongoing. So you had those movies and those and those last two movies are basically, like I said, action thrillers. They, you can call them horrors if you want to because of blood and gore, but they're action thrillers. I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah. That's what they were. And so this movie came out. It had to keep that tempo because it was a similar movie in a sense. Um, had it stuck to the book though I think that they could have told a story that was still had the action in it but actually told that was more had more substance the, the, this movie didn't really have substance as much substance as if you read the book or you had or heard the audio in my opinion yeah so what was it the next part after South Korea that's when they finally go to Jerusalem right so in South Korea they, they meet like I mentioned before the CIA agent um or associate of the CIA, he tells them about um, what the what he tells them about India, um, right. and then he mentions Israel, and then he and then he he mentions um, that he mentions the whole darkness with with North Korea going dark. He mentions some other places that um, this started happening in that they don't know what's going, and then he mentions um, Israel. The reason why Israel surviving is but. Is because in the Palestinians are fighting because of the weapons that we the U.S. have given them. They're fighting off um, these people. Yeah. And so he's like, so the main character asked him, "Hey, well, then why can I can I go to India?" He's like, "India is a black zone. Like, there's no communication in or out of India." So that tells you India fell which, <laughs> in the movie. Uh, which that because <clears throat> India was like my favorite part of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, their commander, well, I think it was Raj Singh, yes. wasn't that his name? Yes. yes. Sounds right. Yeah. Who resorts back to the old British military tactic of forming tactical squares. Right. So that way they could hit the zombies that are coming from from all directions. Right. And he is such a fighter that one of his men has to knock him out by hitting him in the face with a rifle to get him off the battlefield so they can actually try and secure their victory. There you he go. even goes as far as to blow up a mountain pass by himself wading through a sea of zombies later on. Like this dude is an <laughs> ass kicker. I absolutely would have loved to have seen Raj. <laughs> but yeah, we, we don't get to see India. That's a warrior right there. Yeah, in the movie we don't get to see India. And another thing that I dislike um, about this movie that was in the book, which, are, like I said, they stuck to the book to explain a whole lot. This would have made a whole lot more sense. But you find you find out that the, in, the, in the book, uh, and we're not completely talking about the book yet, but just to mention the book, you find out the government is not very, very nice to the people. They're setting up safe zones in the book um, to distract the zombies, to attack people while they try to yes. formulate... Give them more. It gives the government more time to try to formulate a strategy to. And we'll end this. we'll get into the crux of that because their plan, 
completely relies on these zones. Yes. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that a little later. But um, it, actually, I take that back because what I'm seeing here in Jerusalem, there is one more similarity to the book that mm. I admit, that I missed, and it's just the character's name. The Mossad chief that he talks to, his name is Jurgen Vormbrook. The tenth man. It, no, they actually give him a name. It's Jurgen from, oh, okay. from the book. Okay. So I hope he made it out because that character was also pretty cool in the book. So ironically, in the movie, you don't know because what he tells... <laughs> so in the movie, it was silly. They already knew. Brad Pitt had already figured out, hey, sound attracts these things. Some people had already figured out sound attracts these things. In the movie, um, you see a group of... Um, I don't know whether they're Israeli or Palestinians. It didn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But they were given celebration for God. They were thanking God for saving them. And... Um, they were using a megaphone. Like, who gives these? Who gives people megaphones when you got these zombies outside your gates? You know, and these zombies are not necessarily dumb, but they're not necessarily smart either. They just know how to. They're instinctual, so they basically build a human bri- a body bridge, a human bridge, and climb over the wall, all because of this of the sound. It was so loud that it was attracting them to it. That's true. They do the ramping. Yeah, which so- is <laughs> I, I do love that fact too. Is that yeah. they actually get that concept of zombies if they're so desperate to get to something that they will basically create their own bridges right to it what like not trying to but <laughs> right yeah but i mean you gotta also understand when i looked at this movie though when i looked at the movie and i looked at them like this is are we sure that this is a virus because these aren't people that are doing this it's the it's the this virus is actually doing this not necessarily the people because they only react it only reacts to it reacts to sound and only reacts to people who are not infected. Huh. So if you're infected, if, if you if you if you if you already have some type of disease or something that's greater than the, that it thinks you're going to die from, it doesn't mess with you. So there's not necessarily the people that are making this intelligent decision, but it's the virus. So is it an actual virus or is it some type of parasite? I. That's actually a really good question, <laughs> and one the movie never touches on. So I'm kind of curious to that too, because maybe it's just like the Mr. Burns thing from The Simpsons, where mm-hmm. he has every disease known to man. They just keep canceling each other out. Right. So like the virus can't transmit to these people because it'll just be canceled out by the. Well, I'm sure that one kid that gets ignored has cancer. I think. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then there's an older person who gets ignored, and I can't remember why that there is. There are a couple older people in the movie. Yeah. Um, are you talking about the book right well, now? No, no, the, the movie. Because uh, there's an yeah. elderly person that gets ignored. So there's an old man, an old wino. Uh, I'm sorry for using that old term, but it was a homeless man on the streets who was just drinking by himself. Yeah. He got ignored by the zombies. I wonder why, though. Like they, Maybe he had cancer. Maybe he had some type of illness. Maybe. I mean, um, but, but then in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, there was the bald-headed kid, which you assume had cancer. Skinny, huh. had, had her hair shaved off. And then there was an older man, like you mentioned, also who got ignored in Israel. Yeah. So, yeah, that, um, yeah, they don't go too far into that. But the, the one kid, though, is definitely the kicker. Like, you understand why they ignored the kid later. Yeah. Because after Jerusalem, they have to flee because all the singing people in the crowd somehow attracted the zombies to come up over the walls which were incredibly high from what I remember oh they were pretty yeah they were pretty Um, pretty huge so they run they escape and they start to head back to WHO headquarters but instead the plane they're on has somebody turn 
We're but in this mid-flight. Was, this was the dumbest scene ever. First of all, they're on an aircraft from Belarus. The pilots don't know where to go. They had just landed, actually, refueled. Oh, yeah. They, they tell them they're going to divert <laughs> to Wales because there's yes. a lab there that they're going to go to. But then, yeah. Yeah. So, basically, um, they get... So, um, Brad Pitt, previously in Israel, he had a bodyguard with him, a female um, Israeli soldier. Yeah. Who gotten bit on the finger. And so, we all know, when you get bit by something that's infected, it doesn't matter what body part you take off. Walking Dead told us this. You're already infected, technically. Yeah. Well, he cuts her hand off before the whatever count it was he got to. Yeah. And apparently she didn't get infected. But I have a problem with that. And the reason why I have a problem with that is in South Korea, they ex- when they talked about it, there were two different strands. There were different strands of this virus or whatever yeah. it was. They said in South Korea it took them five minutes before they turned. Because hmm. he asked me, say, um, I noticed that it just takes like 10 to 12 seconds before they turn. And the guys over here, it takes like five. It's been taking like five minutes before they turn here. Huh. So he cut her hand off. And she doesn't turn. He 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 basically does. And he's yeah. and also he's not a, he's not a doctor or anything. He's he says I, I learned this from field training. You, right. you cut off her hand. You stop the bleeding. And you and, okay. Field, your field training was advanced. That's all I'm gonna say on that. Right. All right? So yeah. <laughs> so so basic field triage <laughs> is all it takes. To, uh, <laughs> to handle this. So then we get to the point where I'm trying to get to. I'm sorry for speaking so long with, on this, guys. But um, he's there on the plane. Um, he's still, you know, feel dressing her and whatnot. He, they, he's getting her drunk so she won't feel the pain. And um, they're in the air. And he and he takes his phone. He calls his friend on his phone, which another reason why I don't understand this. Because they got, when him, him, that pilot that took him there on that C-130, that guy was a douche. He left him. Yeah. And the Israeli chick there. Like, he didn't know about the Israeli chick, but he just left the guy. And the guy was maybe, like, two minutes before he would get, you know, get to the C-130 again. Right. Well, before they got to Israel, they were flying over some part of um, the world, and there was a nuke that went off, and it made his phone go off. I know that it's a GPS phone, but that should have literally fried his phone. Oh, yeah. It's a nuke. The EMP, yeah. EMP should have wiped his phone out, but it didn't. His phone still worked. So when when he's on the airplane to Belarus, uh, he's on the Belarus Airlines... He goes to them. He gives them that you want to listen to this because he's tapping on the door, and they speak with the, the with the personnel, the guy that the government official that is Brad Pitt's contact, and lady comes and says, "Okay, we're going to fly to Wales." Was it? Yeah, Wales. And so, while they're while they're on the path to Wales, um, basically Brad Pitt was like, "This is just too good to be true." Something is going. Something else has to happen because you're looking at it, it's like something else has to happen because every every place that Brad Pitt Brad Pitt goes, something happens. There's one of these things somewhere. Where is it? Well, they show you this little dog, and this little dog, ruff, ruff. <laughs> <laughs> he's, you know, he's he's making doggy sounds, and then he gets off his off his um, owner's lap, and he goes to the back, and he goes to where the um the hydraulic elevator is, like the storage elevator is. Uh. And he barks at it, and then there's a um, airline, air flight attendee personnel. She's there, and she looks at him. She's like, "Oh, you're so cute." What do you? Mean? So she presses the button to make the elevator comes up. Apparently, one of the stowaways had been bitten, and he had transformed inside the um, uh. secondary storage area. And when she when she pulled the elevator, let him up. She opened the door. He jumps out on her. He bites her. He infects her, and that begins the whole zombies on the plane right. <laughs> scene that we got. <laughs> Which there's the sequel we never knew we needed. <laughs> Zombies on a plane. On a plane. 
Um, okay. <laughs> Which, for I mean, if we're going, all I got to say is, if you're looking for zombies on transportation, then just watch <laughs> Train to Busan because that's amazing. That film is freaking phenomenal. Um, but yeah, so they so Jerry blows a hole in the side of the plane with a grenade from the Israeli soldier, I believe she had it. Mm-hmm. That's and correct. The plane crashes. He's okay. She's okay. He wasn't okay. That's another. That's another plot point that I, I makes this movie like really. So they do crash. They survive a crash. Everybody else is dead except for <laughs> the Israeli chick and him. Oh, plot. So and he wakes up and he has a probably three foot long pipe wrenched through his gut, like between his kidneys and something else. I'm pretty sure he should have died. But um, he some, she somehow, from where they were, pat, just past the mountains, makes it. they make it from that point of the crash to the Hussein. Well, <laughs> and he has a huge wound, and they make it during the, and it's still daylight when they get there. So either Brad Pitt is Captain America and... and, and oh, he's, he's Wolverine <laughs> he's at this Wolverine. point. Which, actually, it was probably a cut scene that didn't even make it to the extended cut. There you go. Field triage. He knew how to do that. He removed the pipe. He just took a little bit. Like, it was fine. It's the same thing he did with her arm. That's, uh, which I really love the fact that you called it the the who, because I'm saying I still read it as WHO, you know, it's World WHO, Health Organization. No, it, for this case, it's who, because one of the doctors at the facility is Peter Capaldi. Yes. Who was the, was it 12th doctor, 13th doctor? I don't remember. Anyway, doctor, matter, 12th he, doctor. He was a Doctor Who, yes. Yeah, so, yeah, so he's, it's a Who. It's he a was Who facility. The coolest, he's one of the cooler Doctor Who's on the on, on the whole Doctor Who show, by the way. I, I read, what, you didn't like him as, you didn't think so? I like Peter Capaldi, but Matt Smith and David Tennant were my two favorites. I didn't oh. say he was awesome, I said he was the coolest. He, There's a difference. He is pretty cool. I mean, there's there's a... I'll, I'll give that to Ray Sean. And he was the only Scottish doctor. Everybody wasn't, else was English. Wasn't Eccles? Oh, wait. I'm thinking of the actors because David Tennant is actually Scottish. Well, I'm saying as far as... Yeah. Yeah, yeah as far as... The, yeah. No, that's right. <laughs> I'm going to keep my opinions to myself. What? <laughs> Go ahead. Come on now. <laughs> we need oh, I'm not into it. Into it. <laughs> so, now, here's where the magic bullet of the movie comes in is... <clears throat> they're kind of discussing ways that they think they can combat this virus. And the research there looks promising. But then Jerry all of a sudden remembers, hey, they didn't eat these certain people that we saw earlier. Huh. And he has that crazy theory. So he has to go to the pathogen vault, which they're like, well, the only problem with that is we had to seal off that side of the facility because it's full of infected. 83 of them. Yeah. So so he somehow makes it through there. Um, no thanks to a Pepsi machine, if I recall correctly. Product placement can get you killed. Just remember that. It was actually three of them. It was the um, it was, it was the Israeli um, army chick. Mm-hmm. It was the director. I can't think of his name. He's been in a ton of movies too. Yeah. And then it was him. And um, yeah, he decided I'm gonna play distraction because they they got they did get in a, in a pickle at one point in time in mm-hmm. in the movie. And he was like, fine, just run. And he basically distracts. He has all 83 zombies chasing him. Yep. <laughs> and he somehow still survives. And he locks himself in the pathogen vault, where for some <clears> reason <throat> there's only one zombie in there that's on the other side of the door from him. So he he's able to put his plan 
his theory into practice when he injects himself with, I can't remember what, it doesn't matter. So I don't remember whether or not this was in the rated version, but in the unrated version, um, <laughs> after they figure out where he is and that he gets the passcode to get into the vault, um, one of the scientists um, that are watching him on the display says, if he, I hope he, I hope he doesn't inject himself with anything in the left in the left um, drawer because if he does, he's dead anyway. Yeah, because <laughs> he basically takes all these vials of viruses and what and whatnot, and he puts them to one big um, mm-hmm. medical bucket. And then after he figured after that one zombie, like was mentioned, shows up and blocks him, he's like, "Looks like I had to do this myself." Yeah, and he basically randomizes and just picks a random vial. I don't know if he can read it, if he understands the medical terms that they put on the, the Latin oh. terms that they put on the medicines. But he just chooses one and he says, I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. And the guy's like, I really hope he doesn't choose anything, any vial that was on the left and injects himself, because he's gonna be dead anyway. Right. <laughs> it won't matter so, if he gets out or not, he's gonna die. <laughs> so it it works out for him though. The zombie lets him pass because it's like, ew, this is obviously rotten food. Like you know his his game of chance was was high. Which the zombie that. admittedly looks highly annoyed that it, it doesn't work. You're right. It did. The zombie looked at him like, "I can't eat you." <laughs> you <know? laughs> just like you, you son of a bitch. You ruined snack time. <laughs> he, yeah. he 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 seriously did look. It's it's funny because that's where the actor portrayed that zombie is like, yeah. "I can't eat." Yeah, like it was just like the I am so inconvenienced right now. Like this meals to go thing blew up in my face. Screw you, you know. But luckily, on his way back to the other part of the lab where the movie ends off at, basically he gets to have one last bit of product placement when he gets a Pepsi on the way back. I think or something yeah, that's like great. that. Um, and yeah, uh, you know, walks back and then they do his. He gets to reunite with his wife for a little bit, and they have a weird voiceover showing the world fighting back now that they know how to do it. Because apparently everybody had access to communicable diseases that they could just inject themselves with and go out on the offensive. I I don't know. Like, the movie ends off on an extremely hopeful note where he's just like, but this war is just getting started. I'm like, oh, good. We get a sequel at least, but... Which we were supposed to get. We were originally supposed to get a sequel... Um, it turns out China does not like being the main factor for a virus outbreak, which ironically, during this day and time, they, yeah, it came true. That's what, you try, yeah. to, block, you try to block stuff, sometimes it happens. Karma is a mo. But anyways, um, yeah, that yeah. happened, and also China China also didn't like um, ghosts, so they, they deemed any movie that was a ghost or zombie product did not be, um, cannot mention them. Yeah, which is interesting, because that's more of a, controlled cultural <clears throat> aspect because I think you you told me that the reason for that was that the the political party that's in power, the only one that's been in power for since since Chairman now. Mao, yeah. basically, since the 50, 50, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Um, yeah, that they are trying to push away from spirituality with more of a focus on scientific aspects. So obviously this is not something they want, you know, supernatural stuff not really being confronted there. Right. Yet, when you watch Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, these people can fucking float on air and jump across treetops. I just got to throw that out there. The wire fighting stuff is incredible, but really? That's legend, though. Legend isn't, isn't religious. I guess so, but I don't ever <laughs> I don't ever remember reading Romance of the Three Kingdoms and finding out Guan Yu could fly. <laughs> so, I just got to throw that out there. 
Although they did have some supernatural kind of abilities, like the ability to yell from a bridge and scare away one million enemy soldiers. There you go. Mm, poor Cow Cow. He didn't stand a chance. <laughs> so the one thing also that we sort of <laughs> jumped over, because we basically went to the end of the movie from there, uh, after the product placement of the Pepsi, which is <laughs> awesome. Um, I was actually waiting for because you know there's always that one zombie or there's always that one creature um, that's a, that doesn't follow the conventional rules. I was actually waiting for one of them to turn around and run at him. He ran out the door. But that didn't happen. But um, in between that and the end, um, they do cure whatever he injected himself with. They gave him the cure for. Yeah. They inoculate him against it, and then they sent him and. The um, they sent him and the Israeli um, person out, female person, um, soldier out, um, with a backpack full of antigens, and <laughs> full of germs and viruses. Yeah, and um, that's basically like say he, he goes to a safe zone because they alluded to the safe the safe zones in the movie. They just didn't talk right. about the safe zones because. For a brief second there, that backpack turns him into one of the most dangerous people on the it planet. Does. Um, does. Yeah. So they, they go to their safe zone. He gets reunited with his wife and then voiceover. Everybody's going to fight back. Mm-hmm. We'll, we'll meet again many more times in the sequel. And Which never happened. It's still support. Like supposedly, I just looked this up a couple days ago. It's still supposedly being worked on. It's still on track to happen. However... Everybody in Hollywood is trying to appease China these days because, let's face it, a market of one billion people is always going to be bigger than the 300 and some odd million we have here. And it's so true. And they heavily invest in a lot of these things now, too. So if you're getting that money to make this picture, then you have to, you know, you you have to please your financiers. There you go. So... You know, if you're trying to break into other markets, the Chinese market, especially when the American box office is lacking real bad, yeah, you got to do something to make up that money. I totally agree with that. And uh, I don't necessarily like that it's altering some potentially good stories, but at the same time, from a business aspect, I get it. Well, I mean, America did it, too. Oh, I know. Back in the early days. I know. Superman, like you can't, prime example. You cannot. Uh, you cannot... <laughs> Basically, like if we're accusing them of doing it, we have to acknowledge we did it too. Exactly. At so, one point, we we definitely did. All right, so we basically guys gave you a summary of the book, which was like I said, the overall summary it was the summary of the. I'm sorry, we gave you a summary of the movie. Apologize. Mm-hmm. Which is also basically a summary of the book. So, um, I guess we should give and, a little bit of history on the book now. Yeah. So the book, which apparently was rooted heavily in prophecy. Was, uh, <laughs> at this point, it feels like it. Um, oh, definitely. So, basically, the book is written as a first-hand account of somebody who works for the United Nations going around and interviewing influential survivors from the zombie war. And not even that. Uh, some of the stuff, he mentions this is the stuff that didn't make it into the United Nations report from the end of the war. And this is more than 10 years after the war's over that it's basically stuff that had too much of a personal edge and wasn't the cold, hard facts that the United Nations wanted. Right. So, however, these survivors are heavily influential. Like, the fact of the matter is the UN could have vastly, could have used this information in their report to figure out why the world ended up the way it did afterward. Yes. Because they go into everything. It's the lead up into, the book is split into like a few different parts. Seven parts. Yeah. 
So you have, you know, early warning signs. You have... Um, yes, you have the warnings, you have the blame, you have the great panic. Yes. You uh, have um, the turning, turning the tide. of the tide. And each, and each of these points are talking about different countries, by the way, just to let you know. Yes. And it, it, it starts off with the where the virus originated from, how that was kicked under the rug about the virus. And it goes on to, like we mentioned, Israel before. It goes on about India. Um, so if, yeah, if the any, home front USA, which is where part, the began, basically. If any part of this begins to sound vaguely, eerily reminiscent of, you know, anything and a little bit like deja vu... It's probably because the research that was done on this, he took a look at what, oh yeah, total war right there. He took a look at what viral outbreaks would actually look like at their beginning. And I mean, it's, it's not only that, like the way it affects the world afterward is that there's no sense of normalcy that comes after we've won. Right. It's not a nor. It's the new normal. It's not what we had. It's what we have now. Right. Which is so similar <clears throat> to what's going on right now, actually. So. In the world. Yeah, basically, the first few chapters come from the doctor who originally discovered patient zero in China. Um, you know where this where this viral outbreak is assumed to have originated from, and from there it expands into he gets a firsthand account from a smuggler. Mm-hmm. who was smuggling people out because they had heard like, oh, well, there's cures over in France or there's cures over in America. Basically, these smugglers were smuggling people out of the country when China went on complete lockdown mm-hmm. to make sure no information escaped that would pinpoint what was going on. And some of these people were infected. <laughs> yeah, and, and these people were infected and would reanimate in these places and start a new infection. Yeah. So it would spread like wildfire across the planet. So the first two countries that get hit the hardest are China because the government is trying to keep it uh, guised under health and safety sweeps, if I remember correctly. And they also manufacture an incident with Taiwan to take the world away from looking at the health crisis going on within their own borders. Right. So they, they create that kind of mist around it. When in the meantime, they don't realize that they're just helping this spread across the globe. And also, um, speaking on that, um, you're totally right. Also, one of the things in the book that they covered was the whole organ trade. Um, there's The organ trade has been brought up in the news in the past, not so much so recently. Really? Um, yeah, organ not, trade, about um, black market what? organ trading. Yeah. But so China oh, was also having... Um, through, through the black market, it wasn't China Chinese government, it was yeah. black market. Right. We're getting harvested organs from people. And they were harvesting organs from infected people that didn't realize were infected. And that also carried the contagion around the world as well. Oh, there you go. See, so, look, smugglers. <laughs> so, smugglers. yeah, the smugglers were a big contributors in, in this infection. So, and the one thing about the book, the book actually gave the virus a name. I don't think there was ever, ever a name given in the movie. Oh, yes, Solanum? Yeah, Solanum. They called yeah. it the Solanum virus. And I, was that name not the doctor? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it was. Kuang yeah. Shu was the doctor who... Found it in China in New Dachan. Yeah, New, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, Sounds right. Um, yeah. So, it, which was funny because that was a region that was formed after the building of the Three Gorges Dam flooded this other region that forced all the residents out. Right. So it, it plays, like I said, it the the book plays very heavily with politics. It plays very heavily with economic structures it plays very heavily with everything that would go into how you could watch a virus that could have been contained 
all of a sudden destroy the normalcy of the planet as we know it. Right. And so after the smugglers, you kind of start to get into the, well, what the hell was everyone else doing? Like, so the Israelis were the first because they were, South Africa gets hit next. And they get hit and, real hard. And that's what brought it to the world. That's when China could no longer hide the, the fact that it, in yeah. the book that it originated, you know, that's when people started relating back, tracing it back to China. But somehow, even though it was starting to get traced back to China, they still called it, if I remember correctly, African rabies. Didn't they, they did, yes. They, that's what they started off they calling did. it as. So, yeah. So the book, once again, you have that misdirection of, well, just because this country all of a sudden exploded with it, it's obviously their fault. But then you discover that someone in the CIA, as well as someone in the Mossad, Jurgen Warren and Paul Knight, discovered right. – a whole bunch of encrypted transmissions coming from China right? that were referring to reanimations, zombies, and they're just like, this didn't come from Africa. Right. Holy shit. Like, we got to yeah, – so they compiled a report that was full of measures to be taken. You know, it's ironic you say that because if you've been paying attention to the whole COVID-19 thing, the Chinese actually tried to blame the origination for from this COVID-19 thing on Africa as well. They did? Yes, they did. They did. There are, there are news outlets that you've seen that they tried to they say that they originated in Africa oh instead of China. God. But, yeah, it's crazy. So it, this movie, this book had direct correlations to what's going on now. It was it was really bizarre because I think this book was written in, like, what, 03, something like that? So the zombie, guy, zombie <laughs> survival guy was written in 2003. I think this book was in 2006. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Three so years later, I think. Yeah. 2006. So you get... You yeah, this. September 12th, 2006. Because yeah. the funniest thing was they also predicted the U.S.'s first black president. Oh, really? They did. Ooh. It was heavily implied that it was someone like Colin Powell. I forgot Powell, about that, yeah. But they also predicted that he would have a crazy vice president that everyone called the wacko, you know, the that guy. Uncle Joe. Yeah. Oh, you know, Uncle Joe. I'm just saying, like, they. <laughs> how far off the mark were we? But, I mean, they still went off the mark too bad because Colin... Good old, mean, good old Joey B. He ain't crazy, but... He's, he ain't right. Like, well, <laughs> Colin, Colin Powell was multiracial, so was um, so Barack, Barack Obama. Yeah. So, I mean, they weren't too, too far off. But he was implied to have had military training. So, oh, yeah, no. yeah. yeah. It was it was more heavily implied to be Colin Powell-like gotcha. than it was. It yeah. yeah. So. All he had to do was run. He didn't want to run. Right. Oh, he could have. Yeah, exactly. Easily. Um, <laughs> so. But, so it has some interesting correlations with the world as we know it now um the only difference is this disease will make you eat people yeah. like you know if you catch it uh, if you if it gets passed around um so the the warmer night report comes out and tells people if we want to get this stopped dead in its tracks here's what we have to do israel follows it to the letter and in doing so, they erect walls around their nation. They allow people who are anyone of Jewish ancestry. I got that wrong earlier. It's Jewish ancestry, including Palestinian-born. Yes. Um, yeah, to come in. So it basically means like you're Jewish living in America. Yes. You can go to Israel if you want to hide out there. However, the one thing that the Israelis never counted on was the fact that it upset the way they did it and allowing the Palestinian refugees and people back in was that it upset the Orthodox yeah. section of the population. So it was an Israeli civil war that broke out 
where it was actually the Orthodox versus everyone else. Right. Um, so it was something they could have never predicted, but they saved their people from the zombies. Like, they didn't get the virus, but they got some other kind of political blowback right. that came from trying to protect their citizens. Right. Little weird sounding, but... I mean, the, if you think about that it, that was a whole play on religion, though, because I mean, like you said, they have the Orthodox who are hardcore. Yeah, um, if it does not follow, right, the Torah, whatever other book they use, and if these people are not considered, you know, Jewish by their by Jewish, even though they may have ancestors who were Jewish, if they weren't considered Jewish, then they're they're not. I mean, it goes to that whole religion thing. That's the whole big thing with religion. It gets, hmm. it can get twisted, and it, and relig- religions have caused caused wars because of simple stuff right. like that. So. Yeah. So and it did in the book. So they suffer a civil war based on, <clears throat> well, yeah, those those kind of cultural differences. Um, what was it? I'm trying you, to think of you other. Always, you always see your parents say, "Don't the two things you don't discuss in a family group that has different ideas." Religion politics. and politics. Yep, there you go. <laughs> you both, leave that alone. Of, both of which factored into that heavily. Um, so other countries are not able to follow suit. Like the U.S. only implements phase one of the plan. Mm-hmm. And by the time they are ready to do phase two, it's after New York has been completely obliterated. Mm-hmm. It's after, well, they're losing the nation completely. And culminates in one of the worst military defeats on national television – Oh, yeah. International television. Actually, the, the whole US world gets to yeah. see it. Against the world. It, yeah, the U.S. got shamed in the world's eye. Which basically told everyone, well, kiss your ass goodbye, folks. Because So after the U.S. military gets soundly defeated at Yonkers. He knows the third section of the book. Yeah. Um, called The Great Panic. <laughs> but yeah, it kind of, the, the book dives in real heavily into the world collapsing for the first few bits. So before The Great Panic happens, uh, there's a fake drug being marketed, yes, right? Phalanx, yes. yeah, that's, that's what it's called. It. So it's supposed to stop this form of rabies. They're still calling it rabies. No one, I mean, to be fair, if you first saw a zombie, would you really, and yeah. you didn't think these things were real, would you know? Especially you know? when when, some, when they just took somebody that was alive at one point and then they all of a sudden transferred to these you know, so, cannibals. So now <laughs> we're in Super the era cannibals. of misinformation. <laughs> There's misinformation coming from the media. There's misinformation coming from pharmaceutical companies who are marketing this drug. There's misinformation coming from the government. Like, no one seems to get it right. The government knows what's going on. They're not willing to spend the money to initiate the later phases, which would completely contain it. Right. However, this marketing for the drug phalanx, uh, the president speeds it through the FDA, so they don't even go to test it. Which is similar to none, but not completely, because we're actually no, having to like, hold people to COVID-19 testing. Right. So. <laughs> Fa- phalanx is not quite hydroxychloroquine, but it ain't far off. Yeah. Right? Like, we didn't fast track this. Some people tried to, I guess. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we found out it didn't work, and we just let it go. However, the problem with phalanx is <clears throat> some of the people in the media are covering it, and they're seeing that some of these people who are getting bit aren't turning. And you find out later what I, and I don't know if this is an actual term or not. I, I never heard it before this book, but a quizzling. It's um, that's what they that's, called the. Call that's what they called the people who were, who had a mental break and thought they were zombies. Okay. And they would try to blend in with the zombies and right. appease the zombies, and in return get eaten. So you had reports in the media of zombies turning on other zombies, 
people getting bit by Quislings, who they didn't know were Quislings at the time, mm-hmm. who were, yeah, not turning. Right. So obviously Phalanx must be working. Right. Well. And you saw a lot of that in Walking Dead, where you have people pretending, yeah. 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 So you, you have all that, and it quickly leads into this whole misinformation campaign that allows it to grow a lot farther and a lot worse than what it could have possibly been before. Uh, and it's coming from, like I said, three different places. It's coming from that pharmaceutical company, it's coming from the media, and it's coming from the government. Yeah. And we're all living in that misinformation age, and people are not prepared for the reality that's coming toward them. Now, you got anything to add with the... No, that was that was pretty straight on. I mean, like I said, you can correlate that with what's going on in the real world um, now and what's happened in the past with different um, viruses, especially SARS. Oh, SARS yeah. period has always had that's right. Information. God, yeah, I did. <laughs> I, I mean, and how many times have we looked at a news report these days and seen like COVID can do this too, and you're like, really? Like, what can it not do now? Right. You know, but then a couple days later, it's like, well, actually, we were wrong about that. But well, I mean, even um, when we thought the numbers were turning around for the current virus, they had mentioned a new swine flu um, that had originated also in China. That China reported, but you don't hear anything about that at all right now. No. So either it's been contained or yeah. it's happening and people just like, because we got so much distraction on what's happening now. Having had swine flu, I can say I don't want it again. <laughs> yeah. I really don't. <laughs> it was one of the most miserable weeks of my life. Um, which, luckily, when I went to the doctor, they were like, here, just take home this Tylenol, some Mucinex, and a thermometer. You'll be okay. Right. No, <laughs> it did not feel that way. Um, but in the book, also during this um, time where this mis- and disinformation was happening, um, you also had um, Iran and Pakistan yes. nuking the crap out of each other. And apparently they had one big nuclear war that did it eliminate them. It destroyed both countries completely. Yes, yeah. uh, it was <clears throat> led into an Iranian pilot who they interviewed. He's one of the survivors mm-hmm. um, who destroyed a bridge that cut off, like destroying this one bridge cut off 75% of the foot traffic mm-hmm. between Iran and Pakistan. Mm-hmm. And Pakistan did not like that. Um, so they shot up some Iranian, um, what was it, border patrols, mm-hmm. if I remember correctly. And then after six days of conventional warfare with no kind of communication between the leaders of both nations, oh, Conventional warfare after six days turned into nuclear warfare, and within three days after that, it was over. Yeah, it was basically like, I'm tired. Let's just get this ended. Which <laughs> they mentioned the radiation cloud, like no one knows how it's going to affect the planet after that because it'll spread over, carried through the wind. There you go. Everywhere. Like, it'll hit America. It'll hit Europe. It'll hit, yeah, like mm-hmm. there's there's no escaping it. So, you know, you have that whole Zombie. panic panic-driven state that leads to communication and political breakdown that causes wider conflict. Um, So two countries get wiped off the map completely. Not to mention, it's also kind of mentioned that North Korea, as we mentioned earlier, they've gone dark. They've gone underground. However, their reason is supposedly they had had a government program that was instituted where all of their citizens' teeth were removed. 
Which they alluded to in the movie. Yeah, that was rumored. Yeah, it was rumored, but but nobody can find anybody from North Korea. In fact, 10 years after the conflict, they still don't know. Right. There's supposedly a bunch of underground tunnels and bunkers that all the citizens were holed up into, but they're afraid to open them. I would be too. Oh, yeah. Well, you don't know if it's, you know, millions of zombies going to come pouring out. Not to say you can't beat them. Millions of two for zombies. Yeah. But it, it, it opens up. zombie baby. Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Dawn of the Dead, Zack Snyder. How would the zombies um, even eat them, though? Oh, yeah. Like, I guess technically, if they were able to cut them with their fingernails or something, though, then you could still get, like, the infected saliva. Technically, yeah, you're supposed to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it could still... Imagine like a tiny little baby just gnawing on someone's. <laughs> <laughs> just, watch, just watch the Zack Snyder Dawn of the Dead. You'll get at least an idea of what that could have looked like. Yeah, I still don't know what to think about that sometimes. <laughs> I had to bring that up, guys. I'm I know. Sorry. I just had to. <laughs> Looking forward to your Justice League, Zack Snyder, but as much as I also like Dawn of the Dead at some points, that part, no. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, like, you kind of start to see the breakdown of these countries to which, out of the weirdest place, they have to turn to a plan from a war criminal, basically. Yeah. To save the human race because no one was willing to act on the intel that was out there. In fact, they, what was it? One of the CIA director who takes over after the war finds the Warmbrun Night Report in the office of a field hand at the Houston CIA office. Right. It didn't even make it to Washington. Right. Like, God. Well, also, too, um, the government trying to buy themselves more time to figure out how to fix this. We mentioned earlier, they did. They enacted the Redeker plan, like we mentioned earlier. Oh, yeah. And, I mean, that that, that in itself was messed up. Because you're basically creating these these supposed safe zones. And you know the zombies are going to flock through these safe zones just so you can buy yourself more time to figure out what right. to do. Right. So the yeah. Redeker plan saves the human race. It does, but it's still but underhanded. It's just, it is nice based on a plan that was originally written to protect apartheid South Africa. Yes. So it is by far the war. Like, if you ever wanted to punch a ticket to hell the fastest that you could, <laughs> this was the way to go. Like, it, it calculated, from what I remember, Paul Redeker in the book, who had a complete mental break yeah. and started going by a different name and completely changed personalities to the point where he's locked up in a psych ward. Um, what was it? Salel Uwazanya, I think is what his name changed to. Yeah. I don't remember. Sorry about that. <clears throat> the book is in my head, but it's also foggy. So, so <laughs> he creates a plan originally called plan orange which was meant to protect apartheid south africa in the event of revolution mm. um ugh, god just saying that is disgusting but they take a version of that which basically says that if you can put your back against the water with some kind of natural barrier like mountains or something in between you it, it make it basically make that your defensive perimeter water okay and some kind of natural obstruction like mountains. And then you have safe zones. Well, sorry, air quotes here. Safe zones uh, that (laughs) are to be somewhat defended, resupplied if it can, 
that are to act as distractions from your the attacking force. Right. Being able to not throw all of their weight on you at once. Right. So basically, it was expendable unless it was it was safe unless it was deemed expendable yeah. if necessary. Expendable if necessary, which, like I said, once again, this is the point where if you ever wanted to secure your place as Satan's right-hand man after death, then boom, you did it. Congratulations. Human bait. Um, But like I said, this was originally written for apartheid South Africa, so it was much more sinister in nature. But readapting it led to the salvation of the human race, even though it was still disgusting in every way. Right. But by the time... By the time it got to that point, though, it was about extinction. Like there was, like if it wasn't for that plan, the human race would have been eaten. It would have been over. So, it, you know, I guess a damned if you do, damned if you don't scenario is kind of what the book tries to describe it as. You know, my my biggest thing with the scenes of it because you know they. They mentioned that there that these zombies travel across the globe, right? So they mentioned yeah. like the environments. Um, so you had these zombies in deserts, and then you had the ones that were freezing to death in places like Russia, uh, and and mm. and in places near the Arctic or whatever. So they're explaining um, that's one of the biggest concerns is whether people fleeing would run into these either half desiccated creatures that's still moving on instinct, or these frozen creatures, which are, you know, yeah, that was that was also. Something I found interesting in the book. When you guys were talking about the baby zombies, didn't they just, when they got all their teeth, wouldn't they just regrow it because they're babies? I don't even know if they get them in the first place. Because they kind of died, so I don't think they'd be able to... Huh. Yeah, I don't think they'd be able to go through the normal processes, so they might not even get teeth in the first place. Huh. Interesting question. It is. I, but I honestly figure if they were zombies, they wouldn't grow teeth anyway. Yeah, that's what I would think, too. Yeah. However, if like they so. were able to get teeth, though, and they lost those teeth, like if they were at the right age, like a five, yeah. you know, like three, five, however, whatever age, seven to 12, would the wisdom teeth come in? I don't know. I feel as though if they're, depending on the age, depending on when they... I mean, because you know they're zombies now I would say that if they're infants like up to a certain age they won't have any teeth but if they're at least like over what age one maybe two oh yeah just just like like I was yeah just like you were saying like I don't think they would ever get them in if they were young enough but at the same time if they did lose them their natural processes have stopped too so would they even they wouldn't even get wisdom teeth yeah I wouldn't think so okay I mean, unless yeah. somebody out there writes it that way, but however, I guess that's kind of interesting to note because technically, zombies. I know it's mentioned in World War Z that they are capable of rotting over time. Yes, and advanced decomposition. That's but what it I was does saying about not, the, the, the desert. That's it, what I mentioned. Yeah, it does not happen at near the same rate though as a normal body would. Right. Which is weird to me because technically. Whenever you use your muscles, especially for strenuous work, those muscle fibers tear, which is why they come back stronger when they heal. You know, right. you're gradually doing that. So if a zombie could start off running, you would figure after a few times of that, eventually 
after a year or so, because they don't heal themselves, wouldn't they eventually just lose the capability to move? At least with their legs. So I think Romero, we were sitting around Romero earlier when I mentioned baby zombies. Mm. Um, he sort of explained that in some of his zombie movies because in some of his um, later zombie movies, he had the people, that, the the survivors were always always worry about the freshly made zombies because they were the fastest. Yeah. And then as they can as they continue to desiccate, that was it. What is it? Is it desiccate? Is that the word mm, I'm looking for? Possibly. Decay. Yeah, I just say you might be. I'm I'm still my head is completely wrapped around the whole. How do they rot? Yeah. So as, so the older they are, the slower they move because their bodies are starting to break down, even though they are still animated. You also yeah. have to consider climate in certain areas, too, because if there are hotter places, your bodies are going to decompose so much more faster. That's I'd, true. But if they're in a colder climate, their bodies will actually stay intact a lot longer due to the temperature. But at the same time, if they're able to freeze completely, like what Max Brooks says through the Zombie Survival Guide, as well as World War Z, mm-hmm. their cells would combust. Okay. So yeah. technically speaking, freezing would be the end. Yeah, that's true. Like, how would you freeze them? I mean, yeah, I understand well, the temperature change, but <laughs> Say, if you send throw them, them into cold water, would that be kind of like nitrogen? Just, just give them the Captain America treatment. I guess that's <laughs> nitrogen could do. I mean, at that point, nitrogen, I guess, would be more like the Wesley Snipes end for Demolition Man. Yeah. Just, you know, crack him once. That's what we should not drop nitrogen bomb on. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, that could have worked. <laughs> because what was it? With all the destruction, they, they do mention in the book that with all the destruction, all the fires, all the things that happened during this that they couldn't put out, all the ash clouded the atmosphere and changed the climate of the globe completely. Yeah. Like, winters were longer, they were harsher. Right. You know? And it turned into people loved winter because the zombies would slow down and freeze, but spring would mean, oh, shit, you know, here, go again. Yeah. The war's back on. Yeah. So. That's true. It's it's really weird. Darn White Walkers. No White Walkers in this. Yeah, no. <laughs> Winter was friend. Just, yeah, just a lot of reanimation, but no White Walkers in this one. Um, um, so. and, and, but that also gives me that whole train of mind. Was this actually a virus or was this a parasite? Because the, the way they described it in the book and in the movie, it was more parasitic than it was viral. It would imply more of that. So. Because to a certain degree, a parasite has to keep its host in some state of life yes. to be able to function. But at the you know, but, but they always call it a virus. Yeah. So. I mean, you also you know you got that fungus that does it to ant to ants and other other insects. Cordyceps, yes. Yes. Uh, which you know, if anybody played The Last of Us, there you go. That's cordyceps. <laughs> uh, hopefully, it never spreads like that. There's also a good Australian um, film um, dealing with the quarterset type, but it's an alien quarterset. Ah, okay. It was the red dust. Don't touch the red dust. <laughs> it infects you. <laughs> huh. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. It's a sci-fi because it's, it, deals, it deals with aliens. It's an oh, alien prison, plane, prison craft crashed, and mm-hmm. there was this dust that had some type of parasitic infection in it that <laughs> turned people into these mindless alien zombies. I can appreciate Trump. that. Definitely appreciate that. <laughs> the, uh, bugs spray it. Whoever's infected, 
I guess we got a little off topic there, although we were discussing zombie physiology. Yeah, we were, we were discussing so. zombie physiology, so there you go. Um, but then, you know, the other thing about the book that I found fascinating, because the main U.S. had been hit so hard, that they actually, um, Hawaii became the new capital. Yes, Hawaii, <laughs> because it was completely surrounded by water. Yep. The U.S. Army retreats beyond the Rocky Mountains. Yes. And they established that as their defensive perimeter. Use whatever military forces are not guarding that perimeter to do a clean and sweep of all that area behind it. So, and not only that, they begin the the thing that I was for sure, when they talked about a civil war earlier in the book, I'm like, you bet your ass this would cause a civil war today. In the U.S. Definitely. Yes, and it was the Strategic Resources Department, or the Department of Strategic Resources, or de-stress, mm-hmm. as they called it, um, seizing property for use in the wartime effort. And I'm not just talking, you know, they're not just seizing the crops you grew in your backyard. This is a complete restructuring of the U.S. economy to fit wartime production, an economy that never really changed after they were taking your Hummer. They were taking your car. They were re-scrapping that metal so they could make weapons. They could make bullet casings. They could make, you know, vehicles against this enemy were obsolete. We don't need tanks anymore. Right. We don't need fighter jets anymore. We need planes that can carry supplies to the safe zones we right. established. We need supplies from around the world. We need airplanes for this. And that that, that department in the government does exist, and they do... Um, I don't know if they have the authority that the book gave them, but they do have the authority to anything that's considered a rare metal. Mm-hmm. They do have a they do have oversight over that. So yeah. if there's someone has land on a mine that they contract out um, that is a rare metal or a rare gas, because they deal with anything that's rare, it's gas, minerals, anything that's rare. Um, but, they deal with. So yeah, I mean that's it's possible. But they give a really good breakdown of it in that it's just like, can you, you know, can you imagine the government knocking on your door and being like, okay, so the war's going on, your car is mine, we're going to strip it down, we're going to take this metal and basically make parts for other stuff out of it because it fits our, as they call it in the book, a resource to kill ratio. Mm -hmm. Why would you make one fighter jet that can only drop one bomb that can take out 10 zombies Versus a rifle trained, put in the hand of a trained infantryman with a thousand rounds mm-hmm. who could take out, well, a thousand zombies with well-placed shots. Like, you know, it's not to say they're going to hit every time, but you're still, it takes not even a tenth of the resources to make that rifle. Right. So, Versus yeah. that bomb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you know, everything that goes into it. So it makes well, sense. Well, let's face it, man. If you make a bomb that can only kill ten zombies, that's, that's poor effort. Well, even at that, like, you know, an explosive weapon is not the way to go against them. Right. If you're if you're gonna go into the, uh, uh, an infected area that's completely affected, no humans, you're gonna make something like a Moab just to oh, destroy yeah. the whole area. Like, or it's useless. It, yeah, thermobaric weapon. There you go. Yeah. I mean, they'll be dumb to do something that's only gonna kill ten to thirty people. As in, a, where there's no like, if there are people in those areas, I can understand that ten kill bomb. I will, hopefully, I will hope well, that they will be able to kill thirty. I, least, yeah, but. I say that because <laughs> technically it wouldn't even kill them if it dismembered them. The only thing it would do is make it to where they was just an immobile zombie that if you accidentally stepped on wearing flip-flops one day, you were gone. Really? I'm just saying, you know, it's it's possible. I'm trapped into a street that was infected. Oh, look. Ah, my foot. Yeah, that's. <laughs> they could even potentially buy irregular tennis shoes, though, too. That's true. 
I mean, during war production, they don't exactly say, you know, if uh, leather was too common. Right. So people were probably struggling to get by with what they had. Um, so. Mommy, I'm playing with a head I found on the street. Right. <laughs> well, our soccer ball popped the last week, so we had to do something, right? Oh, goodness. Well, that's how Timmy got infected, wasn't it? Well, if he could catch better and would have worn his gloves, then, yeah, it wouldn't have happened that way. But um, also um, in the book, um, which is like I said, it's sort of prophetic. If you if you're following what's going on now about the Western nations that are finally now getting on board with this that that um, hadn't already got rid of or lowered the numbers of the, of the virus. Um, again, the U.S. was hard hit. Then they re, they revamped themselves, but also they talked about the U.K. The British um, in the book slowly started to get themselves organized too. Mm-hmm. After they figured out, hey, um, this is real serious. Like, we should have been doing this in the beginning. So, yeah. And, and it's a di- again, it's another not direct reflection, but it is a reflection of what's happening now in current times. So, mm-hmm. like, like, um, like Cody said, this this book was pretty prophetic as far as and um, the infections. Only, and the only reason it was was because of the research that went into it. Like, this is how a viral outbreak could potentially reach catastrophic proportions. And uh, well. Through inaction, perceived or otherwise, you know, that's how you get to these points. And clearly the book outlines how many layers of society had to fail for this to become as widespread as it was. I mean, even the people they were telling, the media were telling to flee to the northern, colder areas were doing so, but they weren't giving them any information on how to survive the frozen tundra. They were basically like, just get some sleeping bags, get some jackets. People were going into subarctic temperatures yeah. without the proper equipment. So it was killing just as many people. Yeah. The only difference is they weren't reanimating. Right. Uh, the one thing that um, you mentioned about this that I didn't realize is I just looked over a little note here. But um, apparently um, these zombies, because um, it mentioned in the book that there, there were still some active zombies um, near the end of the war. Yeah. Um, but they are mostly at the bottom of the ocean. Yes. <laughs> they, they are completely immune to pressure somehow. Yeah. Um, so. Which that's one of the new normals they talk about at the end of the book. It was the doctor from China who discovered the infection. Uh-huh. And he just mentioned, he's like, I don't envy the kids nowadays because they've never known what it was like to play near still water. Yes. It's like they don't know the world before it became this. Yes. It's like, I I envy them. You know, like, it, the new normal that arose after this is something that, you know, they, they have no nostalgia for anything that came before because they were born during or after the war. Right. So the only thing they know is liberation, whereas the people who came before, you know, uh, they mentioned even 10 years after the war, like, you know, there aren't really any like DVDs or anything around, like the the old classic cars and stuff that people used to enjoy, like they're gone. It, there's just not a whole lot to it. You know, but you're still trying to reclaim. All these other nations are trying to reclaim all the ground they lost. And America, if I remember correctly, from the estimates that the one general gave at the end of the book was like, when America cleaned their zombies out, they had to clean out 200 million, which means the U.S. lost two-thirds of its population. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, also, um, they mentioned that Iceland is like the main point of infection, even after 10 years. Oh, yeah. Um, because basically refugees went there because, of course, the cold slowed down the zombies, but it didn't kill them. And they had infected refugees. So now you got a whole nation that's zombified. And then also they mentioned something that I found disturbed, that I found interesting. Um, it was a little disturbing. Is um, it sort of hints at the Handmaiden's Tale? Have you ever, have you read that or yeah. seen that? Um, where in Russia, yes, Russia is basically trying to repopulate their country by using women as breeders. Yeah, Russia, oddly enough, in the book went back to a Soviet-like state mm-hmm. where they started purges, mm-hmm. government crackdowns, um, and then somehow it took a weird theocratic twist where it got heavily religious. They called it an expansionist theocracy. Yes, sorry, an expansionist theocracy. So instead of a like expansionist communism, it was very much like they're they're coming back. Right. We're gonna repopulate the earth with Russians only. <laughs> and it was and it was weird because the new world powers that result well, I guess we're getting too far ahead at that point, but um you're fine. The the new world powers that result are countries that actually took it seriously. Like Cuba is the most prosperous country on earth. It is. after this. And it goes completely democratic. It does. Um, it's a bit also. Yeah. So they they closed off their borders. They initiated health sweeps for anybody who came in, same way Israel did. Right. Uh, and they gradually started instituting government programs that would allow these non-infected refugees out of those camps and into main society to contribute to the effort there. Right. So the rest of the world kind of turned to them for help. Uh, and it was funny because Castro's last act of of power was to oversee the democratic elections that saw him outvoted. Right. Because, as they mentioned, he could see the tide turning against him, and he knew it was better to leave than to be forced out. Right. Um, I'm trying to think, because they, they don't mention uh, other countries that really kind of took off. So, uh, like, they mentioned Tibet, like I mentioned earlier. Oh, Tibet uh, does separate from China. It separates from China. Yeah. Kind of, it said it became democratic as well. And also one of the most prosperous on Earth. Yes. Yeah. yeah but they did have a religious revolution as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they, yeah, China did suffer a revolution. I remember that, uh, that was a really interesting story in the book. Was the the submarine captain. I don't remember that one, sorry. He was, it it was their sub that they used to drop a, like, bunker buster into the remaining government stronghold. Oh, okay. Yeah, and and that's what ended. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what ended that civil war, because they fled China originally. Right. And tried to set up, like, a commune out in the Pacific somewhere that people could find a safe haven from all the stuff from. Um, Oh. So I'm still reading my notes here. Yeah. It said that the um, British royal family and and, and the Pope fled to Ireland. They did, but <laughs> with the British royal family, the queen stayed behind, if I remember correctly, because she opened up all of the Windsor estates to the public for safe zones. Yes, yes, that's right. Reserve them, yep. yep. Yeah. Uh, and that's where they get the oil from, I want to say? Yes, they had a yes. couple of oil derricks sitting up, and they also used the castle's decorative weapons, basically, for elimination through the fences when the zombies would crowd around. So, yeah, the the British, they Ooh. wound up coming out relatively okay. 
They're okay, but they're not as strong as they were. No, so, and that's the whole point. Was yeah. all these first world nations who held all the power before become a shell of their own selves because they buried their heads in the sand and ignored the problem as it was coming up. Right. They did talk about, talk about Mexico. I mean, you know, my oh, yes. Mexico. Mexico completely reformed itself. They went back to mm-hmm. uh, the Inca slash Aztec type of societies because oh, apparently that's... they were dumping all the, all the criminals in, in Mexico. Oof. They dumped them on the borders because they... It was basically on survival of the fittest. That was a concept. You're going to dump these criminals there. They're going to need, they either, we're finding the way they're going to turn or they're going to, they're, they're hoping they would all die out. And apparently a lot of uh, warlords came out and after the whole thing, they split the ter- they split everything to territories like the Incas and the Aztecs. So, huh. Yeah. Okay, so that's why Mexico called itself Otzlan. Yeah, that, it, 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 yeah, it says, yeah, my notes say that Mexico became um, Otzlan, um, which were several countries, as um, several countries revised, were revised borders due to the dumping of convicts to infect, infected zones. Jeez. And it says, um, these convicts rose to command powerful fiefdoms that later became independent states called the so, Pacific Continent. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, that's my notes, guys. Sorry yeah, about that. In the U.S. chapters, they also mention the fact that behind their lines, you had to deal with eco-terrorists who thought the zombie plague was the will of the divine goddess, basically. Oh, goodness. Uh, And they were sabotaging war efforts. Um, They also started something against war profiteering, which actually saw a few senators at the time get convicted, except it was through public humiliation. Right. Instead of, you know, execution or imprisonment. So... He's like, because what was it? The vice president says, like, you should have seen how much the crime rate dropped after you saw a senator get 30 lashes. <laughs> and you're just like, for war profiteering. You're like, wow, they went medieval. Yeah. Which was strange. Like, you, that's, that's a true thing, too, because, I mean, you do have a lot of people behind certain wars. Well, um, do, you, do you think that, because the thing I don't think, like, as much as I love World War Z for its somewhat realistic approach. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of that would ever fly. Which parts? Well, for one, the public humiliation through like the stocks, whips, and all that stuff. Okay. Uh, I don't think a single citizen in the U.S. would stand up for that at all, no matter the circumstances. Okay. I personally know I wouldn't because there's a lot of strange... Like, let's just put it this way. There's a strange-ass history that America has with a lot of those kind of things that we were supposed to be better than but proved we were not. Right. I can see what you're saying there, but I, I couldn't rule out anything in this book happening, especially now with um, what's going on now and what we have now that was similar. I mean, it's a virus. It's not the zombie virus. It's a virus that people, uh, people have totally ignored. I mean, you got people... I, I would also find it strange. Who ignored... Like, in the book, they ignored all the signs... They bitch. They were like, "That's nothing." Yeah. And the same thing happened with what's currently happening. We have something that's happening, and they're like, "Oh, you know." I mean, sure. It's. I'm, I'm not trying to get political in here. I'm not trying to get. You know. I'm just saying it's. Oh Compared yeah. to the book, I mean, you have causality, and. I mean, yeah, <laughs> that's the one thing that this all does function. Like all these are dominoes that topple over because of. Well, just like you say, it's causality. And these these dominoes topple because. You know, people are just unwilling. To see the truth. Right. And it's it's the people up top that begin to fail us, but then it's every 
Every layer deeper that you go, though, every layer that trickles down to the common person also fails. Yeah, that's true. Like, so the fact that we regress as a society makes sense, too, I guess. So I'll, I'll give you that point. The, the regression makes sense, but I just don't know how much of it would be. Like, I already thought it was a little unrealistic whenever they were seizing people's Hummers for the war effort, because I guarantee you some people would be like, yeah, uh, you're getting these keys off my cold, dead fingers. Like, but you're still seeing small bits of that. Like, so if you look at the news, I don't, this is why I don't like looking at the news all the time, because I, I hear stuff that goes on. I'm like, seriously? Yeah. So you, you've noticed lately in the news they've been talking about the federal Certain federal agents going to certain states and yes, and these people are literally taking people. Then they've actually this is on video, so this is not me speaking out my butt. No, it's on video of people taking being taken by federal agents and in 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 vans that are don't having any type of government or anything insignia on. It's just vans. Yeah, and carted off to wherever they cart them off to, more likely some type of holding facility to question and whatnot. Um, but it's the fact that it's not done by the state. It's been done by a federal entity who has knows who has different a total different set of rules than what a state um, penal official has. That's so, true. I mean, yeah. I mean, I guess you're right. <laughs> which is kind of funny that you mentioned that because one of the first <clears throat> steps of the U.S. plan was the uh, black ops teams yes. that would go in and contain, neutralize, and contain, but not eliminate the threat. Right. And one thing that a lot of people don't realize, unless you pay attention to um, law and law and order, law, well, law and order. If you SVU. pay attention to, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, I was going to say I always pay attention to everything. <laughs> I, to everything Ice T says on Law and Order. So we're, we're if you pay, not not Law and Order as far as the TV series, but as far as government, if you pay attention to the justice system, the government, whenever you're faced with a federal agent. They have a separate set of rules that they can enforce mm-hmm. versus someone at a state level or at a county level. So you may like you said, police. You may say a police officer can't do can't has to, has to read your Miranda rights. Has to do. Federal agents technically don't have to unless it's a specific type of crime. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing that you know it's yeah it's it's different. It's it's same. It's similar but different. Like there's a another layer that you have to go to. So yeah. where you may see something that's not being. Um, but constitutional. Mean, it's not that it's not constitutional. It's that there are rules written that make that gives them the authority to do that. And, so. and part of the reason I say some of this would never fly is based on some of the things we see now. Is like people are saying that having to wear face masks is trudging on their civil liberties. I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I so. When you get into that and all of a sudden you have people going back to the <clears throat> stocks for public ridicule in the town square. I just don't see, like, if if face masks are intrusive, what the government does throughout this book would be the absolute oh, breaking point. Yeah, exactly. It would 100% be the breaking point. I, I totally agree with that. I do. I do. Like, so that that's why, like, the book is amazing and strangely accurate for the times we find ourselves in. But it, it really applies to any kind of outbreak that manages to gain traction like this one has. It's, if you do, I mean, we discussed it on the World of War, or on Warcraft, you mm-hmm. know, World of Warcraft. Once, it, it, the CDC uses that blood plague that happened, that event, mm-hmm. to help them with predictive models for viral outbreaks because of the way people exploited that. And that came from World of Warcraft, guys, from Blizzard Entertainment. Somebody 
somebody in Blizzard Entertainment's creative department made that up. <laughs> Literally, they yeah. made it up. And it's, I'm pretty sure they probably did research it because it is centered around fact, around um, nonfiction. Um, so, yeah, it's... But, yeah, they they took that data from Blizzard, the CDC did, and they're just like, we want to hang on to this. Like, mm-hmm. we want to find out. The only difference is, in real life, you can't do a complete server destruction reset. Right. Like, you, you have to ride it out. Right. I mean, well, you can, but, you know, that's... Yeah, we're... <laughs> yeah. That's a purge. Yeah, I was going to say, purge, I, that, that's why I'm saying you can't do that. We don't need that. <laughs> that evil needs to stay out of this world forever. <laughs> Um, oh goodness but it, it gets into really weird territory like that I mean I remember when when COVID first started Outbreak was the number one trending movie on Netflix and I'm kind of sitting there thinking like you guys missed the boat because World War Z is actually you know where yeah. we're looking at because it, it discusses the I mean the, psych, the psychological aspects too yeah like people give up and they start slowly dying of natural causes in their 30s, you know, or their 20s. Like, just whenever whenever their mind and their body say, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. Like, from from this new world we find ourselves in, you know, the the isolation that a lot of people experienced at the beginning of this, it, it had psychological consequences. We had, you know, a lot of things that people were not prepared for the bleak reality of... Uh, you know, that this book kind of covered and they eventually had to start making war propaganda films in the in the book to get people's morale up, showing mm-hmm. them how we were, you know. But I mean, that's in, that's with anything, even in real life, we do that. Oh, we, yeah. We create a, um, if you look at any any war that we've had or any other country has had, there's always some type of propaganda mm-hmm. to to make the people not feel that something is unjust or something is unfair. I mean, there's always, that's what propaganda is meant to do. Well, it's yeah. meant to get it's and, meant to unify people for and, a cause. And any kind of entertainment you ingest anyway is always a reflection of the times it's founded. So, you know, even the Marvel movies with all of their, you know, Captain America, if you shouldn't trust the bigger entities out there, like, you know, the common man, the, you know, your your people with good morals know what's right kind of thing. Like, it, it's all based around the mistrust a lot of us feel on a daily basis. Yeah. Which is why a lot of things are really geared toward like spy thriller stuff now. Like it seems like, or some kind of, you know. Let's say ninety, the early nineties, um, or was it the first or the second, the second, the second Iraq War? Oh yeah, the early two thousand. Technically, it's the Sorry. third one, but history doesn't. Anyway, yeah, the okay. one when Saddam Hussein was was killed. Um, yeah, early bombs 2000s. over Baghdad. That song became a freaking trope. Like, it became a song that got people, because people listened, Outkast came out with the song. Yeah. And it was catchy, had a catchy beat. And then all of a sudden, it was just like the billboard for what was happening, dropping bombs on a country that technically, we could have beat them in a regular war without dropping bombs on them. But we, we literally dropped bombs on them and ended quick. And that was part of propaganda, because they did have some sympathizers, which, you know. That's I, true. Hey, what happened, happened. I'm, I'm, I, by no means, is it was war, so. But at the same time, like we were talking about propaganda, bombs over Baghdad became a propaganda piece that wasn't even really meant for that. It was it yeah, wasn't even it wasn't even aimed at what was happening. But, it, it just was a catchy but, thing. But it gets you psyched up. It gets you to support <clears throat> the efforts that are being undertaken. Exactly. And yeah, they had to do a lot of that in World War Z because, like we said, the the government basically regressed to being medieval with a purpose of survival. 
mm-hmm. which might have been the only way that people were able to swallow that. Yep. Because yeah. survival. Look at the Civil War. You could do the dandy. I mean, come on, man. <laughs> Fair point. Like, I mean, if propaganda has been there for anything to promote to get people in gear for it. Oh, yeah. Some form of propaganda always exists. But it's kind of weird that you would figure that a war with zombies you'd have to have propaganda for. Because it so because if you take it from a psychological standpoint. Well, it's and an I'm enemy not that's not it, supposed to be real. Exactly. And yeah. all of a sudden it's real and people are dying and it's getting we're suffering. Life is no longer normal. I mean, yeah. You yeah. Got to psych people out. Yeah. Can you imagine like a. World War Werewolf, you know, like oh, people, yeah, you never, you never sucks. look at a dog the same way again. Yeah. I saw that movie, it sucks, so I watched that. Movie. Yeah. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> but I mean, yeah, you, you could never. War ex- dogs. <sighs> not, not the, not the good one. No, no. Nope. <laughs> yep. Mm. Yep. <laughs> God, there's. So I'm trying to think because the the more interesting aspects of the book were were the the breakdown of society. I agree. Um, like in the end, there too, everything the zombies have basically been contained. You do know, like we mentioned earlier, that there are pockets of them in certain places, and of course, the bottom of the ocean. Um, but at the same time, people are actually starting to get over that because it's the new normal. And they're worrying about the whole nuclear out, you know, the nuclear winters that's starting to happen. Yeah. Uh, because of what, you know, the, the nukes that were dropped. So, and in the end, they leave you with a sense of hope. But at the same time, people still, there's still a lot of suffering. So, oh, yeah. Like, you don't know if the world can ever recover. Right. To a certain degree. Like, it can never hit what it was. Because, well, let's just put it this way. We dropped from 7 billion to, like, around a I, there weren't very many left. Right. You know, like every country was able to have some kind of success fighting them off with the exception of a few. Um, and, and North Korea is still unknown. Yeah, North Korea is still unknown in that. Um, but it's kind of weird because they, even though the book ends on a hopeful note, they're also suggesting that human nature and what we were like before is starting to come back out because Russia is expansionist again. They are kind of, they're getting aggressive you know, pe- people are going to look to regain what they had at any cost at this point. And even if it means taking away from you. So. What happened to the people in space? I forgot about that. Oh, the International Space, space Station. Station. They yeah. made it back down. Because I, I, I don't remember. I, I remember. They I were in such a bad state that they're basically suffering from some form of like brittle bone disease, essentially, mm. because they were up there for so long mm. that their health. They're basically just dying. Gotcha. Like slowly. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So we didn't, we didn't touch that, and I was like, "Wasn't that I forgot about, about that. Yes, the ISS, the International Space Station. They yeah. they got their own chapter, <laughs> which was interesting because they could see everything, but they couldn't do anything. They couldn't even make contact with the rest of the planet. Cause, yeah, because everything was communications and everything were down. But, yeah. yeah. So they. They stayed up there for a long time without any kind of recourse. Like, they couldn't, yeah. They, they just had to watch because yeah. everything, like, because they, they mentioned, like, you could see the fires, you could see. The bombs exploding. Yes, because they mentioned Iran. Iran and Pakistan. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. They, they had to watch the world's destruction from on high, almost like 
you know. You think what that does, if that was real life, what that would do to the human psyche to see these things and then make it back to Earth and be like... Well, because they, they talk about the psychological toll on the world-free radio operators. Yeah. How they had a 98% suicide rate. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. Because be the things they heard that they would hear people desperately crying out for help and have to deny them. Right. And then move on because strategically it doesn't make sense. Right. And uh, that, 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 would, that would weigh on your brain. Yeah. Your humanity anyway. The so, humanity stream. so you had to personally be responsible for thousands, maybe if not millions. Right. You know, dying because you can't. Like you have to be the one who tells them, no, you're on your own. So... If Max Brown, I'm sorry, if Max, Max, Brooks. Max Brooks were to come out with a new book on this, what do you think he should write? Huh. God, I don't should know. Should this be like 100 years in the future or should this be like 50 years into the future? The next generation, well, the second generation of the aftermath of this. I don't know. It could be an interesting thing to see what happens when all the ocean zombies come back up. Mm, yeah. Because people started to spread out again now. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know, a waterlogged zombie could get that far, but at the same time, they also seem to be quite immune to the pressure underneath the water, so they're probably okay. Right. I mean, he could do that, a follow-up of, like, what happens when the ocean zombies come back, like... Because part of them what do rely on sound. Because they mention, what was it? Uh, I love hearing Mark Hamill on the audiobook. Mm-hmm. When he's just like, here's how it works. You know, one Z sees you and moans. Another click away, another zombie hears that moan and moans himself and starts walking toward the direction of the moan he heard. Right. And then another one, another click away, and another click away. till finally you have this long, like, undead snake. Right. You know, coming your way well if the zombies are coming out of the water they can't do that underwater true so it, unless they came out in big pockets it wouldn't be a thing right but if they did come out on coastal towns in large pockets they'll be screwed yeah unless they have a wall they still be screwed oh yeah I mean you'd, you'd be done but I mean, there's plenty of directions that they could go with it, even just seeing how, like I said, you kind of get the idea at the end of the book, the human nature and the we're going to do things our way notion is beginning to come back. Right. So you could even follow up with like, what did we really learn? (laughs) Because, I mean, if you take a look at human history, you can see it. You know, history is not a straight line. It kind of seems to be a circle. We, in we, certain instances, yes, it does. We hit certain points of that circle, and it, these things might happen on a smaller scale mm-hmm. elsewhere. They still happened again. Right. So you can't really do anything about that. You know, like it, it, it very much gets into the what are we going to do from here kind of thing. Um, I don't know. And so... If this were ever to happen, I hope it never does. I really hope it never does. But if, if something similar to this were to happen in real life, what would be your exit strategy? Oh, you kidding me? I <laughs> I've thought about this one thoroughly. I I have 
uh, family that lives out on a farm in, you know, very close by. I'm not going to mention where because no, this no, is this no, is my no. utopia, damn there it, you not go. your guys. <laughs> uh, they have backup <laughs> generators. They have wood generators, and they live in the middle of a forest. So nice. there you go. We've got plenty. Okay. Uh, they have a lot of farmland. They do their own butchering. Like they have, nice. yeah. So and not only that, not only that, they have guns and they got knives nice. out the wazoo. Like I know exactly where I'm going. <laughs> and not to mention. They're kind of almost out in this like little valley-like area. That's even better. It's Clear. surrounded. Yeah. Like we're good. They've got a lake you can fish in. Done. That's all I need. Nice. So with me, that's a tough question because you know, I come from I'm 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 country a little bit. So my my base of operations would be uh, I definitely try try to get to my main family uh, with my family. Um, uh, from then on, I don't know. I, I mean, I know some friends that have some places, but basically, I'll be on the fly. I'll be like, I'm um, Walking Dead, basically just uh, roaming, yeah, roaming, <laughs> roaming until I find a collective. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I mean, the best part is I forgot to mention they even have a greenhouse. So hey, you, you got even, your growing, you got your hunting, yeah. you got your fishing. That's perfect. It's it's like all this, you need. That's I all I need. Hopefully they don't use me as. And you need defenses yeah. too, though. Don't forget that. Like I said, they got guns on plenty and lots of vehicles. And you might also need somebody to help you. <laughs> I I do good with cooking, thank you. <laughs> I mean, no one's died yet. She's okay. <laughs> she says you're okay. <laughs> it's funny because good job to me means better than okay, but you know what? I digress. We're fine. That's not. I'll make it clear. I haven't gotten sick yet. Oh, see that's see that's good. glowing endorsement more than we can say about Guy Fieri. There you go. <laughs> Who's Guy Fieri? Uh, the human ranch stain, the one with the <laughs> frosted tips. I that guy. Who yeah. Is. Okay. I, just in case anyone out there didn't know, um, which they should. By the way, that description of him was fire. Oh my God! No. Yep, I did it. Please take that back. So no. We, okay, I take it all back. His food is nasty as all hell. It makes me vomit all the time. Well, that's why he has to tour all those places on diners, drive-ins, and dives. His food's terrible, but theirs isn't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Mostly. I mean, seriously, your food's not bad. He is kind of a... He, he does look like ranch. Like, with gained sentience. Okay, either way. I'm digressing from, from World War Z, but we... Like that's that's my plan. So you would kind mm. of walk around like a wasteland Ronin, essentially. Basically, you know? I would yeah, and until to find a collector, find find some good defense. Huh. If I'm not dead, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> right. I say it depends. Yeah. Like you know, how fast can you get here? Is there a horde between me and you? <laughs> like, so I got to admit, like I, I'm that kind of guy in the vampire movie. If we have to run from one. You know, I might oh, trip you. Like, I'm just throwing person. it out there. I don't care who's running out in the middle of the road. I'm going to run you over. <laughs> because <laughs> i got to get my kids. Yeah. So. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like, it, like I'm, I'm the kind of person, like, I'm going to trip you. Like, this. <laughs> if we're running at the same time, I'm going to trip you. 
I'm getting out of here. Well, I know they remain six feet away from you, Cody, as you're running away. See? <laughs> and now we get back to social distancing. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm going to grab you like that guy off of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Whenever he's hanging on to the post box, I'm going to be grabbing your leg and clawing you. That's fine. I'll just let my shoe go at that point. I can break <laughs> you said I'd be happy holding your shoe. I'm just saying, if I could pretty easily slip out. I'd, oh, I, if it came down to it, I'd cut the legs off my jeans. We'll put it that way. Like if I had something in my pocket to do it with. So I know we're joking though, but that's that's real, that's real life. That's that's how it is in in, in emergencies. People do, right. do these things. It's it it's doesn't matter what it, if there's a fire in the building and a person sees that they're this close to dying or escaping. Trust me, if somebody's near them, one of them is not going to get out there because they're both thinking the same thing: survival. And that's right. basically what that and conversation that, was about. Yes, that, that whole conversation <laughs> was a very jokingly awful look at human nature and survival instinct. But we always think that we're that we have good humanity, but when it comes down to living or dying, when a person's instinct to live outweighs their instinct to die, they're gonna they're anybody near them is made it'll be luck if they make it out if they're yeah. We see my main advantage human nature's is cruel. My my main advantage in that is if South Park is to be believed and gingers have no souls, then I'm I don't have one. <laughs> Morality is that's gone. Every um, single freckle you have is someone's soul that you have taken. Away. Well, you got to supplement the lack of one somehow, right? That's the no. So yeah, it's it turns into one of those situations for me. But uh, you know. Like like Rayshawn said though, social distancing can actually save your life in that instance because if you stay six feet away, I can't trip you. My my tush out the door. I mean, you're not wrong though. If you stay six feet away from me, my legs aren't that long. There you go. Unless I'm gonna go with like a full on soccer slide tackle or not. You can't do that across concrete. There you go. That lesson got learned the hard way. Not for me. <laughs> I already knew it. But yeah, so so we got any special mentions that we want out of the book or out of the movie? I don't know because the I mean, obviously, I absolutely love Todd Wayne's sections because he discusses the war effort from a soldier's perspective. Mm-hmm. You know, forming up in those lines, um, People running ammo to you all night, trained for headshots, but not until they get within a certain distance. Mm-hmm. And doing that, you know, schlepping it all the way across from the Rocky Mountains all the way to the banks of the Hudson River where the war ends. Mm-hmm. When America finally gets cleared. It's pretty cool. And talking about encountering the pockets of survivors who form their own kind of fiefdoms mm-hmm. throughout the continental U.S. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Those, like when you guys are talking about... If the zombie outburst was real, if there was a zombie behind me in my breath, and I had to breathe out of my mouth, I would just keep running, no stop, and just run. <laughs> yeah, like, I ain't trying to be either eaten or turned into a zombie. That's the I'm right trying thing to be to a survivor. <laughs> right? Yeah. And that's nice. You know, if some people had your same skill set on The Walking Dead, they'd still be alive. <laughs> there um, you go. Yeah. So the, the one show. thing that I'm going to go back to um, with this, I know we, it seems like we're coming to an end of this soon. Um, I didn't talk change. about it, but okay. In the movie, Brad Pitt's wife. I love that actress. She's an awesome actress when she's yeah. in movies. The first thing to surviving in a zombie flick is 
keep the noise to a minimal. Yeah, sign, sign language. She had a phone. She had a um, satellite phone, GPS phone, however you want to call it. And she called him when they were in South Korea and almost got him eaten as well as well, some of the other soldiers did get eaten. Yeah. On the bicycle. You remember that scene? Yeah, I do. So it's like, come on, lady. You have a satellite phone. He's supposed to call you. Don't call him. This is a zombie movie. Have you not figured this out yet from running and jumping on helicopters? And oh, whatnot? yeah. Like, you, you know. Yeah. I mean, on, you know lady. he's off doing a mission. Like, just just wait. I, and I know how I know how awful it is to be separated from some from someone that you care about deeply in yes. the middle of, you know, of this kind of horrible thing. Because when the out when when COVID started, um, you know, we rightly made the decision to send my son off to his grandmother's house because she was isolated from everyone else. Mm-hmm. And she worked from home. She could take care of him, mm-hmm. keep an eye on him, keep him safe. Whereas, you know, living in an apartment building and still having to go into the office, I couldn't guarantee that. That's true. You know, like, uh, you know, we couldn't guarantee his his protection from the virus that way. And I know how much it sucks to be separated from them because it was three months. Yeah. And I will never do it again if I don't have to. Right. So... It turned into, you know, phone calls, but very, very specific phone calls, very scheduled phone calls, making sure everything was okay. Right. And if I would have been, you know, if it would have been like he's off on a clandestine mission somewhere, I'm not calling him under any circumstances. Exactly. Which he gets back. I mean, yeah. she literally almost caused her husband in that movie to die from a stupid mistake. I mean, and that's a note to any of you Wait. survivalists. So wait, does she indirectly cause that guy to shoot himself in the face? Then no, this was after, this is when they get ready to go to Israel. Okay, because that's Jerusalem. Yeah, no, this that's right. Was, um, nah, she didn't do that. That wasn't her. Because that would have been funny. Zombie she caused the guy who had gotten bitten before, or something mm. that didn't turn. Yeah, she caused him to be killed. That's right. Zom- <laughs> in Zombieland, that's another zombie movie. It's funny because... It's funny because... It's twice when you meet. Yeah. It's funny because in Zombieland 2, Double Tap, then um, yeah. Addison was the stupidest because she literally opened the door like, I the blah, 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 rented one of these things, and then she opens the door and you're like, you're the dumbest person on earth. <laughs> If you're written one of these, then what you must know when you close the door and someone else opens it, then it's going to go beep, beep, beep if they don't have the keys. Yep. I mean, it, there's you have to have somebody like that in these kind of things, though. It keeps it interesting, yeah. But it creates, it creates tension where there honestly didn't need and to be also, any. And also, she didn't even go in there and stop the siren. She just like... Oh crap! What did I do? She yeah. didn't even do anything. She was just ran on the door. Those are those, <clears throat> which is kind of funny because it seems to be a recurring theme on this podcast is that we discover uh, lots of unforced errors, right? In all of these pop culture things that we discuss, whether it's everything that happens in Jurassic Park, outside of the first movie, right? You know the, the everything that happens after that, especially. Jurassic World, Unforced Errors. 
uh, horror movies are completely reliant on unforced errors. You know, but it's, it's the reason why you run upstairs instead of out the front door. It's the reason why you run into the shack full of chainsaws as opposed to running away from it. Now, granted, yeah, it's a lot easier. Chainsaws. It's a lot easier for the killer to keep an eye on you when you're running through a wide open field. But at the same time, if he's not gaining distance, who cares? Like, you know, right. like you're OK. If he has a knife, you just keep like if I'm a marathon runner, you can bet. I'm taking my chances running down the road. Yeah, there you go. You know, if he doesn't have a bow and arrow or a gun. <laughs> no. If it's Leatherface coming after me, I, I'm a marathon runner. I'm taking this one. Like, dude, I finished the Boston Marathon in like a couple hours. There you We're go. Like, good. Um, there you go. Get the hell since, away from me. Since my back hurt, hmm. I wouldn't be, I wasn't like, I'm not running as fast as I used to. But um, if it was in that case, Forget about my back. I'm out of here. Actually, he brings up a good point. Adrenaline. Yes. Because that will keep you alive. Yes. That might also be part of the reason why your decisions are dumber, though. Well, yeah, it, it does. Chemical mm-hmm. reactions change the brain's thought process, but still, yeah. Fight or flight response will not always make you see the obvious, I guess. Yeah. But, you know. But, it, you know, turning it into a comedy of errors, though, just kind of makes all those glaring, like, why on earth would you do that? Uh, I I can't stand some of those. We should um, talk about that alien, that uh, kind of crazy movie. Hmm. Perhaps... Say so we might we might get to that one later, but I know with the focus being on zombies here, I guess is there anything really all too much more to add? Like World War Z discusses complete societal breakdown in the book. Yeah, no, that's I was trying to see if there was anything, but no, I don't know of anything else to add to that. We basically talked about the movie and the book. And how strangely relevant it is to this day and age. Yes. We didn't talk about Which that. honestly, as we mentioned though, it applies to every viral outbreak that gains traction. Right. It really does. I mean, it even applies to the World of Warcraft viral outbreak that happened, you know, on the servers that caused a complete wipe. Um, you know, it. you have all these things that really contribute. But it's funny because you can't ever pin the breakdown to just one failure. It, the failure starts, yes, a little more widespread the higher up you go. Right. But it trickles down to everything else after that. Right. To the point where eventually the failure is on the people who aren't taking it seriously and spreading misinformation. You know, like it, it's plain and simple. It's like the, you know, the the zombies, what, the Quislings, they were helping contribute to misinformation from just pretending to be zombies to try and appease their attackers. Like it was just... Can appease a mindless creature. Yeah, <laughs> it, but when Southwest suffers a complete mental break when they just can't understand anymore right trying to reason them out of the point where you know you figure if you can't beat them join them it's an uphill battle right you know so it it is really difficult to think of how some of these things well it's not difficult to think of how these things could have gone better but in a 24-hour news cycle 
it really highlights the breakdowns from the media's perspective that you can have with these things because they're reporting information as it comes out, not as it's vetted. Right. That is true. So, I mean, how many times have you seen them name like a suspect in something and be like, oh, by the way, it's not that guy. We were wrong about that. So, <laughs> whoops. Yeah, yeah. No, that happened a couple. That happened recently, actually. Yeah. Um, ironically, um, I went back and just looked at IMDb on the rating. It actually got a seven out of ten. What did? World War Z. Oh, really? It got a seven out of ten okay. on IMDb. So. And yeah, it. I mean, like I said, it wasn't a great movie. It wasn't bad, but if you're comparing it to its source material, then it is trash. Yeah, compared to the book, it is trash. It is like I said, a summary of the oral history. <laughs> yeah. Which was funny because the early iterations of the script that I'd heard, somebody leaked one, mm. and nothing like the finished product. Yeah, Rotten Tomatoes gave it a sixty-six percent approval, and audience movie yeah. theaters, um, movie viewers gave it seventy-two percent. So, which is respectable. It is. It is. Isn't it? Yeah. If um like zombies were real, the first thing you would do is find a safe place, and that ha- that. And you would have a little of uh, some food seeds. I wonder how you get that. But um, you'd have a little seeds, and then you would plant them, and you would make sure there's still food there so it will last you days so the food would grow inside the garden. And you would make sure that you already went to, like, a gun store and mm-hmm. got out of that alive. Um, and you were still, and you had some other people with you, because if you didn't, well, people could come, some zombies could come from the other side or behind you. So you would make sure you had some other survivors with you. And you would just make sure that safe house was getting safer every day. Okay. True. So, like, you would build. How many of those steps did he name on the on the zombie survival guy? Oh, these, these <laughs> that's are, a zombie survival. Actually, guy? there's a lot on there. <laughs> Mike has got it pretty good. Uh, let's see. It's uh, top ten lessons for survive. I've got the zombie survival guide right here in front of me because I love this book. I love what's World War first, Z. What's in the first one? Uh, let's see. Top ten lessons for surviving a zombie attack. Number one: organize before they rise. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I mean, it's the only way to ever, in in order to be prepared for peace, one must be prepared for war, I guess. (laughs) Uh, Two, they feel no fear. Why should you? What? Three, use your head. Cut off theirs. (laughs) Which, there's a little bit of flawed lot, but at the same time, he's not wrong. It it eliminates the body out of the equation, but just the head can still bite. Right. Uh, Four, (laughs) blades don't need reloading. You do have to keep them maintained, which he talks about in the book, but guns are also harder to maintain because of the part replacement that you need to have, and ammo might not be readily available, and it's loud. Right. So the sound will attract more. Uh, Five, ideal protection equals tight clothes and short hair, which for a creature that's trying to bite you, uh, you don't want anything that restricts your movement. So if I recall correctly, a shark skin wetsuit was the item that he recommended to protect you the best because it does not restrict the quickness with which you can move like a suit of armor would. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the wetsuits are designed to try and be bite resistant. Okay. 
So technically, human teeth would not be able to penetrate that. And short hair, obviously, the last thing you want to do is get yanked into a crowd by your ponytail and eaten, you know. So, uh, oh no, my basically, in a zombie apocalypse, everyone should go the route of Natalie Portman from V for Vendetta. Just shave the head. Is that it? That's no problem uh, with that. There's a few more. Number six, get up the staircase, then destroy it because they okay. can't climb. See, seven, get out of the car, get onto the bike. Okay. Bikes are more maneuverable and can cover more terrain. Uh, keep moving, keep low, keep quiet, and keep alert. Yes. Basically, don't carry a satellite phone. There you go. Which, as we learned. Why? Uh, oh, yeah. Ringer on that one. And nope. If you have a cell phone, turn your ringers on. And uh, let's go ahead and cover cover one of Micah's ones here, actually. No place is safe, only safer. There you go. Uh, and then 10, the zombie may be gone, but the threat lives on. That is true. And I'm going to give a shout-out also again to Eli. I'm pretty sure that if he was here today, right now, he would want us to mention Z Nation. Yes. Z Nation has so many comparables to um, to the movie version of um, <laughs> uh, World War Z because some of the actions that take, take, takes place or it's like a company. It's like, so Z Nation is, is a funny sci-fi um, horror flick about zombies. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's actually a mockumentary of, of The Walking Dead, but there's also aspects of uh, World War Z also mm-hmm. um, in it as well because they're going different places. They're learning about the different strands of zombies that exist and, and whatnot. Um, apparently, in this, though, the, they have this thing called Z-weed, which is made from the <laughs> dead bodies or the uh, desiccating bodies of zombies and the virus somehow incorporates certain aspects of the zombie into the weed. Mm-hmm. So when you sm- when you smoke it, you get different effects of it. That's but, funny. Um, contagion. There are different versions of the of the virus as well because it's mutated since then. And uh-huh. in there, you have your slow zombies, you have your fat zombies, and you have aliens. But we'll go to <laughs> yes, it's okay. an awesome show. It's an awesome series. I had to mention it because I'm pretty sure that Eli, if Eli was here, he would have mentioned it. Oh, definitely. <laughs> so, and I guess that's the next thing I kind of have to mention is if you really like the zombie genre, World War Z actually has something for every, like, it can be political. So if you like reading political stuff, great. If you like reading action-oriented stuff, there's a large section of the book dedicated to that. In fact, the uh, French clearing out the catacombs yes. of zombies was incredible. That section was gut wrenching. It was that was messed up too. Yeah, by the way. it was scary as Everybody hell. Everybody had turned. They yeah. tried to hide in the catacombs. Yeah, so it's like literally the portal to hell. Yeah. for those guys, and not right. to mention the catacombs are rickety and collapse. Yeah. So gunfire and the vibrations from it could really cause cave ins. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have spy thriller stuff mm-hmm. essentially. Um, a little bit like it, it discusses just about every facet. Of the world, like it's got economic repercussions, psychological. It discusses how all of these things contribute to a perfect storm that would lead to society collapsing on multiple levels. And it turns into an absolutely like riveting read because it's it's told from first person perspective. You know, all these people are giving you what happened to them, what they experienced in their corner of the world. Right. Because I'm pretty sure every continent's covered. Right. 
including Antarctica, but that's only because that douchebag CEO from Phalanx has an Antarctic like bunker that he hides out in. <laughs> so yeah, like that. <clears throat> so it, it covers everything though. Like it. I'm pretty sure some real life douche like that has a real bunker in Antarctica as well. Oh, you guarantee it. Yeah. <laughs> so they, yeah, it, it discusses a lot of things. It's got a little bit of something in there for everybody, you know. The jokes is on the joke though is on those pre, on those people because we know as the climate continues to warm up, so is Antarctica. So it's be cold forever, apparently. Yeah, I guess that's true. The uh, so yeah, I mean it it covers everything, but it's also something that is strangely reminiscent of the time we find ourselves in which sometimes really makes those things better. You know, like it, it makes it a more interesting read because you can originally it was written as an allegory for the war on terror. Yes. But since it concerns a viral outbreak, it still follows that same pattern of how a viral outbreak would really look like you're looking at how this actually affects everybody. You know, you're not just hearing a, it's not just another generic like, oh, look, something happened in New York story because everything happens in New York, in Hollywood or, you know, somewhere like that. Um, it's very much a, you know, here's what happened. The rest of the world's going under, too. What do we do? But you, you already know that the outcome is peaceful because they're doing this after the fact. It's just it's 10 years after the fact and the world still looks nothing like it did. At the beginning. And probably never it never will get that way until after a couple of generations anyway. So. Oh yeah. So, you know, it it's just one of those like as as we venture through more and more of what's going on today and we kind of wonder what any new normal will look like for a while, at least. Um, you know. It it just makes it a much more interesting read because I went through and reread a few chapters and I absolutely love it just as much as I did the first time. Right. So that was the right the nerds book club version of uh, <laughs> World War Z, I guess. Yeah, no, I mean, totally. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> well, uh, do we have any glorious bastards, or do we have uh, any? Um, God. I, I mean, honestly, I gotta. I'd be willing to give it to Max Brooks. He okay. wrote the subject material for which it's all based on. Yeah. He did an ungodly amount of research. Oh yeah. Like. To be this close to reality, yes. What was it? When World War Z came out, they called him the Studs Terkel of zombie journalism, which, you know, if any of you don't know who he is, famous journalist, uh, incredibly renowned journalist. So he, uh, yeah, I mean, it was thoroughly researched to create an incredibly gripping and realistic read, despite the fact that it was dealing with the stuff of nightmares. Right. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You, any thoughts? No, you pretty much summed it up with that. I mean, yeah, he he definitely put the work in, and he came out with a product that was awesome. Yeah. And his um, brother and his father should be very proud. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, creativity runs in that family. Jeez. <laughs> I love Mel Brooks yeah. so much. Um, I'm trying to think of... Anything else there is to say, really, aside from if you haven't, go pick up the audiobook. There's an abridged version and an unabridged version. 
But if you would like to have some of these firsthand accounts read to you by Alan Alda or Mark Hamill or the late Carl Reiner, then by all means, go and out and pick Turturro it up. John Turturro is there too, isn't he? Yeah, Gary John Gamble. Turturro. He was, uh, he was one of the um, – he was the Cuban guy they talked yeah. to. I can't remember. Sergio Garcia Alvarez maybe? Sounds right. Sounds I right. think so. Yeah, so he, uh, yeah, he talks about Cuba's metamorphosis during the zombie conflict – which is actually a really gripping section of the book, too. It's an incredible read. Um, so it's definitely worth picking up if you guys haven't. Pick up the abridged or unabridged version. Mark Hamill gets to tell you the soldier's perspective from the retaking of the USA, and I will be damned if it is not worth listening to Leak Skywalker tell me what it's like to shoot a zombie. So, seriously, uh, take a look at it. It's eerily reminiscent of the times we find ourselves in. You might be burnt out from it, but at least in this way, you can realize that no matter what, there's always a glimmer of hope, even in the worst situations, to be found on the other end. Um, I don't know. Anything to add to that? <clears throat> Not I can think of. Yeah, I say just as I mentioned, I think that's the best part about the read was that even though it. The new, even though normal doesn't look like normal used to, it's still hopeful. You still know that there's another side to it, that everything will turn out to be okay in the long run. Right. Which is really the kind of optimism you have to have to see that kind of new normal come about. So uh, take a read if you can. Otherwise, uh, you should take the time to, after you get done listening to us, to uh, like, follow, you know, give us five stars. Give us some commentary. Eh, could use one more of those at least. <laughs> and the main thing too is just read, guys. I mean, a lot as we as we advance in society, computers are wonderful, but there's nothing like your original imagination book, which is your brain, and reading something and taking that and the creativity. Creativity is the reason why civilizations exist. And computers are wonderful, but they sort of distract from that creativity, and they can enhance it. But reading has always been that forefront to to getting that creativity to make the world go. And just, I, I implore, just read more. Oh, definitely. It's, yeah, absolutely worthwhile. Um, now, granted, sometimes, uh, you know, the books do. It, they, they might be different from the movie, but the movie still has its own merits, too. You know, the obviously the technical prowess that goes into him is amazing. Right. Shout out to Peter Jackson uh, for Lord of the Rings. There you go. Not so much The Hobbit. <laughs> hey, man. I know. I shouldn't be that picky, but it's just compared between the two. There's just no, it's just no comparison. No, there isn't. Um, you, can tell, you can tell two different mindsets were taken when... Yeah. It, you know. Hobbit was... Made versus Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So, um, but this is one of those that if you've seen the movie and you if you read the book, you'll realize it's nothing like the movie at all. So you're getting something, two unique experiences from the same source material, oddly enough. Mm -hmm. So if you've seen it, even if you didn't exactly like that Brad Pitt vehicle, go take a look at this because I promise you will not be disappointed it's an easy read that can be broken down into sections if you just read one story at a time, even, you know, just during a quick lunch break or something. So, and if you do watch the movie, the unrated version is the best version. Yes, it definitely. May, two hours may be daunting, but come on, guy, 
since MCU has come out, since we've had ba- um, Babylon, Babylonian Towers, wherever that movie was that Brad Pitt was in, Babylon, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, Babel, sorry, oh, Babel. Babel. Yes, Babel. Two-hour movies, they're nothing these days. So just take no. the time. You want to watch the full version of the movie that makes sense. Yeah. Do the unrated version. But uh, on that same note, I uh, just want to urge you guys to keep safe. And uh, yeah, we'll all... As World War Z taught us, we'll all make it through on the other side better than what we came in, even if it's not quite what we thought it would be. And thank you again for listening to Writing the Nerds. Again, I am your one of your hosts, Ray BG, and I have with me again... Cody. <clears throat> all right. Have a good night. <laughs>